the honey junior. Jesus. Well, maybe she just dropped a little, a little a La Bamba. 946 at 560 WQM. This will make you feel better about Florida. It's not really as bad as we thought. It's pretty bad. Oh, today, by the way, is the deadline, 5 p.m. this afternoon for county votes. Bill McBride wins. Oh! It's just a, it's a done deal. Unless they find a whole bunch more dead people in the next few hours. But this was in Crescent City, California, this story. An 85-year-old woman driving a 2001 Chevy Blazer allegedly struck a crowd of people gathered outside a church Saturday, killing one, injuring 16 others. According to the California Highway Patrol, Winona Reed Thurman of Claymath was driving the uh, sh uh, Chevrolet alone in the parking lot of the Assembly of God Church on Douglas Street around 11 a.m. when, for unknown reasons, she reportedly accelerated and struck four parked vehicles. She then allegedly continued into a crowd of people gathered in the parking lot for a community function, police said. Kathy Brandt, 46, of Crescent City, was killed in the collision, and the driver suffered major injuries. No other names are available. All the injured were taken to Sutter Coast Hospital for treatment. After traveling through the crowd, the blazer hit the church and came to a stop. According to Officer Don Boyd of the California Highway Patrol, Reed Thurman was waiting at the church for some children. It's not, it is unknown what relationship the children are to her. How do you like that? You just had a little bit of trouble there between the accelerator and the brake. Brake and accelerator. That happens all the time in Florida. All the time. All the time. She drove into the church. Maybe she thought they had a drive through Who the hell knows? 85. Too old to be drive. Don't be drive when you're 85, okay? No more drive when you're 95. What do you think? Well, don't you think we ought to have a limit? Except for my mother, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. And only then when she has to come to my house to take care of that pain in the ass little dog. Only on those occasions, which she hasn't done in a long time, by the way. I think we better crank that idea. Probably around Christmas time again, you know? Sounds good to me. Get ready, Ma, okay? Why the hell can we have the limo pick her up and take her home? Of course, then she wouldn't be able to go to public, stuff like that. Oh. I just, I, I can't envision her driving around by me, you know? Why not? Are you familiar? Are you familiar with that stretch of sunrise out there, oh, like sure. west of it's me? A, where... It's a bit fast. No, no, but I'm I'm talking about the stretch where there's uh, like no traffic light out in front of a uh, Best Buy, right? And yes. Amico yes. out there between between 118th and uh, Flamingo. Yes, it's a little, a little challenging. <laughs> in fact, that whole between 118th and 136, that 18 block stretch is like a, a death wish. And anybody that thinks that they're going to pull out there under the sunrise, well, I'll just mention that in passing, okay, Ma? Just leave a whole big bowl of food for the dog. Cronies in arms, Paul Krugman with outstanding columns in the New York Times. Again, I thank Bob for faxing it to me. But, of course, being on top of this crap, I had it right here in my hand and a little bit better copy. I'll tell you one thing. This fax is working sensationally. You know what? I got my extra toner cartridges sitting back there. I got reams and reams of fax paper. I got my whole little setup here. It's, it's great. 
Nice going, Neil. Thank you. Kind of like a do-it-yourself radio station, uh -huh. which we're used to. we got good training in that down there. Paul Krugman writes, cronies in arms, listen carefully. Put your ear right up to the radio. Put it up. To, put your ear right on the speaker. <laughs> in February 2001, Enron presented an imposing facade, but insiders knew better. They were desperately struggling to keep their Ponzi scheme going. When one top executive learned of millions in further losses, he emailed response... Or rather, his email response summed up the whole strategy. Close a bigger deal, hide the loss before the first quarter. The strategy worked. Enron collapsed, but not before insiders made off with nearly a billion dollars. The sender of that blunt email sold $12 million in stocks just before they became worthless, and now he's the secretary of the Army. Oh! Dick Cheney vehemently denies that talk of war just weeks before the midterm elections is designed to divert attention from other matters, but in that case, he won't object if I point out that the tide of corporate scandal is still rising and lapping ever closer to his feet. An article in yesterday's Wall Street Journal confirmed that what some of us have long argued, market manipulation by energy companies, probably the same companies that wrote Mr. Cheney's energy plan, though he's defied a court order to release task force records, played a key role in California's electricity crisis. And new evidence indicates that Mr. Cheney's hand-picked Army secretary was a corporate evildoer. Mr. Cheney supposedly chose Thomas White for his business expertise, but when it became apparent that the Enron division he ran was a money-losing fraud, the story changed. We were told that Mr. White was an amiable guy who had no idea what was really going on, that his colleagues referred to him behind his back as Mr. Magoo, just the man to run the army in a two-front Middle Eastern war, right? But he was no Magoo. Jason Leopold, a reporter writing a book about California's crisis, has acquired Enron documents that show Mr. White fully aware of what his division was up to. Mr. Leopold reported his findings in the online magazine, magazine Salon and has graciously shared his evidence with me. It's quite damning. The biggest of several deals that allowed Mr. White to hide the loss, a deal in which the documents show him intimately involved, was a 15-year contract to supply electricity and natural gas to the Indiana pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly, the unctuous Eli Lilly. Don't you remember years ago they were making thalidomide? Right, yes. And killing a whole bunch of people before the FDA finally said, oh, don't sell that stuff anymore. Any future returns from the deal were purely hypothetical. Indeed, the contract assumed a deregulated electricity market, which didn't yet exist in Indiana. Yet without delivering a single watt of power and having paid cash up front to Lilly, not the other way around, Mr. White's division immediately booked a multi-million dollar profit. Was this legal? There are certain cases in which companies are allowed to use mark-to-market accounting in which they count chickens before they're hatched, but normally this requires the existence of a market in unhatched eggs, that is, a forward market in which you can buy or sell today the promise to deliver goods at some future date. There were no forward markets in the services Enron promised to provide. Extremely optimistic numbers were simply conjured up out of thin air, then reported as if they were real current earnings. And even if this was somehow legal, it was grossly unethical. If outsiders had known Enron's true financial position when Mr. White sent that email, the stock price would have plummeted. By maintaining the illusion of success, insiders like Mr. White were able to sell their stock at good prices to naive victims, people like their own employees, or the Florida state workers whose pension fund invested $300 million in Enron during the company's final months. As Fortune's recent story on corporate scandal put it, you bought, they sold. It was crony capitalism at its worst. What kind of administration would keep Mr. White in office? A story in last week's Times may shed light on that question. It concerned another company that sold a division, then declared that its employees had resigned, allowing it to confiscate their pensions. Yet this company did exactly the opposite when its former CEO resigned, changing the terms of his contract so they could claim full retirement benefits. The company took an $8.5 million charge against earnings to reflect the cost of its parting gift to this one individual. Only the little people get shafted. The other company is named Halliburton. The object of its generosity was Dick Cheney. 
experts talk from in today's New York Times. Just enough to make you gag your guts out, man. But we got a lot of stupid people out there. A lot of dumb people that want to get sucked into this whole dog and pony show that's going on right now. It's all a big smoke screen. And like we read in that one article, it's all been uh, preordained ahead of time. Right. And what the hell was Jeb Bush doing in on that uh, meeting with all those right-wing assholes? You know what? Speaking of Jeb Bush, we got a great uh, column from the Palm Beach Post a little bit later about the governor and mental health care in the state of Florida and the DCF and all, all of these things. Final voting results expected today. Oh! Well, let's see. The election was only a week ago tomorrow, right? Right. <laughs> so by, by Florida standards, that's pretty that's good. right. A new record. Yeah, instead of like months and months like it dragged on, or at least many, many weeks. How long did that drag on? About two months? I no, I don't think months. so. Well, over a month. I thought it was like two. Well, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It was like toward the end of December, I think, when they finally threw in the towel. and said, okay, you stole it fair and square. A week after Election Day, Miami-Dade County officials say they're confident every vote cast will be counted and reported by this afternoon's 5 p.m. deadline for state certification. Broward Elections officials wrapped up their count yesterday and plan to present final results today to Tallahassee. However, they refuse to comment about any detail of their process to recover votes. And we'll get to Miriam Elef uh, Elephant in a minute. State officials say their method of checking the count was almost foolproof. <laughs> We've done everything with our power to make sure every vote's been counted in this election. Assistant Su Election Supervisor Gisela Salas said, not everyone was so sure. Given what we saw last Tuesday, I don't think we'll ever be confident that every vote was counted, said Nicola Harberger, spokeswoman for Democratic gubernatorial candidate Janet Reno. Her campaign indicated Reno will likely concede today to Bill McBride in the primary if she doesn't get enough votes to overtake his lead. Is she going to get enough votes? No. No chance. Hop in that red pickup, Janet. Have a great life. It's also evident that since then, election supervisor David Leahy has made a good faith effort to see that the votes are counted in Dade Harbor Gratted. The day after the election, Dade officials determined the problem of getting an accurate vote count was almost caused exclusively by poll workers failing to close down the machines properly last Tuesday night, preventing their votes from being counted. You know, those 150-year-old uh, Cretans? I remember. To close down a machine, a poll worker must insert a device called a master activator and collect all the votes. The process must be repeated in all the machines. Aside from collecting votes, these activators store information about which machines were properly turned on and closed down. By running every activator through a computerized reader, data officials were able to get a precise list of machines that hadn't been closed down. By the middle of the week, they'd identified 265 machines in which they needed to reharvest the votes. To do so, they simply had to insert the activator into the machines. It should have been done on election night. I think some of those old poll workers inserted those activators in their... Rectum. Something. Maybe they were hoping for some action. They began the process immediately, hunkering down in a dimly lit warehouse in Medley. But many machines were still at the polling stations. Locating and delivering the machines became the most time-consuming part of the vote. Uh, for workers from the county and election systems and software, the company that manufactured the iVotronic touchscreen machines. The units did not contain serial numbers in the outer cases, so workers had to open them up, write the serial number down on a piece of masking tape, and affix it to the outside. By Monday night, last night, Salisette activators, like computer disks, have been inserted into most suspect units, and the votes were being recovered without a hitch. However, the department still had machines arriving from some polling places. The results will be released after the county canvassing board certifies the election, Salas said. It's going to be over 5 p.m. today. Oh! And Bill McBride will beat Jeb Bush in November. Make no mistake about that. Just remember you heard it here first. Didn't they hear it here first? Yes. Well, I did. Maybe not. 129 votes on the poll. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's fake terror threat? Eunice Stone, the Georgia woman, the one that was eavesdropping, I mean, listening in the Shoney's restaurant and one that notified authorities, he was, she was doing her patriotic duty and keeping her eyes and ears open under this orange alert. You believe Eunice? 89 people, 68.9% said yes, we, we believe that bitch. The three Muslim medical students, including that one uh, schmata head, 40 people believe them, only 
Less than a third. You turd. Hey, speaking of that, now that uh, the summer's over, time to get serious about losing some weight. Get down to business, baby, and start looking human and saving your life. That's exactly what you're doing if you're really obese like the beast was. You're saving your life. This man, this little rotund tub of crap man, was just a waddling, a waddling living thing, a creature, not even a person. He was five foot four and weighed 284. Now he's lost 54 pounds. Oh! And he's doing it. And doing it religiously, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't be losing all of that weight. You can do the same. And the reason he's sticking to it is because it's so easy. They bring you a little black sack. They give you a sheet to fill out for each day, and you have two choices for each meal. And then they bring you a little black sack. They deliver it to your door, to your house, your work, wherever you want, by 6 o'clock the next morning. And in there, there's three gourmet meals, two delicious snacks. Everything is fresh. The best ingredients, all kind of really neat stuff. Nothing frozen, nothing prefab in a stupid little box. And like I said, the food is delicious. So if you want to really lose the weight, and of course, they do all the figuring for you. You don't have to count calories or carbs or anything else. Just call the number for Balance for Life, and you'll be losing it before you know it. Call this number right now, 954-568-3229. 954-568-3229, and get on the really proven weight loss program that will keep you healthy, too. 954-568-3229. Check them out on the web if you like at balanceforlife.com. Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Britians, dumb as dirt. Hey, this is Bubba, your president that actually got elected. This Bush, Cheney, Enron thing is pretty squirrely. Maybe we ought to drag Ken Starr out of the closet and put him back to work again. Now, I'm no singer, but I got so disgusted that I wrote a little tune about this situation. Ken, Ray, and Cheney had their secret meetings for the energy policy they were fixing. Congress wants to know who all's been cheating. Them boys are tight-lipped, just like Nixon. When Enron blew, Georgie started to choke. No beer to wash his pretzel down. Could have used some coke set over my dead body. Well, it almost came to pass. If his doggy didn't wake up, he'd end up like Mama Cass. Georgie, this thing with Ken Lay, bad, bad. Keep it strictly business. And don't drag down the whole Republican Party. Did someone say party? Where are you now that we need you? Can star. Hey, you get that thing dry clean. Bush and Cheney's and Ron Money Buddies. This time they went too far. What a waste Remember of a good cigar. How much they kept whining. lower the moral bar. Where are you now that we need you? Can star. Hey, you got the interns over here. He was a goofy looking prosecutor. Thank you. Some say he was a skin food tutor. Bill Dirty Langer. We need your righteous effort now, Ken, because George Incorporated is giving us a screwing. You got any lures for KY? Wrong direction. George Incorporated is giving us a screwing. The Bush economy will take it in the wrong direction. Katie didn't know about it. I had no prior knowledge. Bush didn't know about it. I didn't know those evil doers. Ashcroft didn't know about it. Cover that statue. Bill Graham didn't know about I'll never it. Do. What is a screwing? Hey, Ken Lane didn't know about it. Hey, I know about taking the fifth. They cashed in all their Enron stocks just before the story broke. Meanwhile, all their faithful employees saw their retirements go up in smoke. Think you can 
all be rich. We'll restore dignity to the oval orifice. You can all be rich. And if we send Ralph Nader his check this month, you can all be rich. Laura, our daughter's dancing on a dirty website. You can all be rich. These folks should be rounded up and reincarcerated. I won't get impeached, will I, Mr. Cheney? Shut up, Georgie. The Enron Con game was quite a feat. You got the whole crooked crew sucking off of that teeth. Got Bill Graham's tape being handled oh. by his missus. Got the Enron workers getting screwed with no kisses. Lynn Boss says they're dumb to lose their loot. Instead of going deaf, it'd be better if he was mute. And Enron Golden Boy blew off his head. At least that's what the authorities said. You got the people lost their savings trying to ponder their fate. You got Dick Cheney's heart pumping 40 ways. My heart is fine. Our energy policy has never been compromised. Where are you now if we need you? Any boy should invoke his fifth dimension rights. Bush and Cheney's Enron money buddies. This time they went too far. What is Enron anyway? Back when they kept whining about Clinton lowered the moral bar. Where are you now that we need you? Can't start. Mr. Reagan, I've always wanted to measure up to you. Georgie, you're grown up. And, well, yours is nearly as big as mine. Your deficit, that is. Deficit. Anybody seen my Game Boy or PlayStation? Those Koreans called me a moral leper. I always thought I was a tiger. 1005 at 560 WQAM. I mean, God forbid we should have a special prosecutor to investigate with all the uh, skin. The fact that people lost their life savings and all those right. billions of dollars disappeared. We don't want a special prosecutor for that. But blowjobs in the oral office. Squirt, squirt. We gotta check that out big time, baby. Well, one's illegal and the other one's just, uh, immoral. I see. And which is which? 151 votes on the poll. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's fake terror threat on Alligator Alley, baby, where we had a goddamn little Roto-Rooter robot out there? Yeah, I like that robot. That was cute. Eunice Stone, not as cute as uh, Dr. Phil's uh, kid. Now, he's all right. He's about, like, 20-ish, early 20s, 21, 20, college student type. You know, wants to be a lawyer. Actually, what he wants is, like, to replace Daddy on his TV show, like, next week. He's all right. I like that Dr. Phil. He's uh, got his head on straight. Uh, Eunice Stone, the Georgia woman, they believe her 104 people, 68.8%, almost 70%. Oh! Overwhelming, two-thirds plus. The three Muslim medical students, the one who had the schmata on his head that looked like a doily, 47, 31.1%. And to see them come, you know, making the rounds and all the shows and acting indignant and their parents and all the relatives, give me a break, okay? You pulled a nasty, idiotic, stupid prank. There's nothing funny about what happened last 9-11, and we got our eyes out for any uh, potential troublemakers, okay? We're doing just exactly what we've been told. We're good, obedient foot soldiers, okay? We're under orange alert, and if we hear anybody looks at us cross-eyed, especially if they're wearing questionable headgear like a doily on their head, we're going to say, aha, scumbag. So uh, next time, shut up. Don't you think that's good advice? Sure, shut up. I don't think they'll be doing that again soon. Speaking of uh, people messing up, Mayor Pinga Pequena says a lot of heads will roll if November election is messed up. He's getting really butch. And then we got the Miriam Elephant story coming. You don't think that the fact that she's black has got any reason why she's still in there? No. On a visit to the Medley Warehouse where workers are examining the county's voting machines, Mayor Pinga Pequena said yesterday the top officials will lose their jobs if the election doesn't run smoothly in November. If elections don't go off the way they should in November, a lot of heads will roll, Pinga Pequena said. He declined to specify whose jobs were most in jeopardy, but Assistant Supervisor of Elections Gisela Salas said it would likely include herself and her boss, Supervisor of Elections David Leahy. Oh! Sources close to the mayor have said Steve Shiver's job as county manager might also become a casualty to the election. 
Still, Pinga Pequeña insisted he was personally taking responsibility for problems that left votes uncounted for from as many as 265 touchscreen units. He proudly said, touch this. I didn't come here to give any excuses, he said. I took responsibility from day one, and I'm not passing the buck to anybody, including, uh, what's his name, Juan Medieta. What are, you, what are you laughing about? He could have passed it to Juan. Pinella said many of the machines may have been improperly shut down because no one actually used them in the polling places, but neither he nor Salas specified how many of those machines might be in that situation. Everything is still like, you know, double talk, vague and nebulous and nonspecific. Election officials said they selected 265 machines for recount after looking at precincts that showed lower than 10% turnout or more than 100%. Yeah, I'd be a little suspect if there was a precinct when more than 100% of the registered voters showed up. After a brief news conference, election officials traveled back from their new makeshift headquarters in Medley to County Hall yesterday afternoon to discuss revamped poll worker training plans for the general election with the county manager's office. Leahy has previously said he'll release a plan of action by this Friday. The mayor said he also expects the county's inspector general to present a report on last week's chaotic balloting this Friday. Almost two dozen investigators are looking into it. Oh! And then in their spare time, maybe they can check out the Enron and all the other corporate scandals. Just maybe if they have some spare time, but we doubt it. So Mayor Pinga Pequena is butching up a little bit. He says, I take responsibility, but some serious ass is going to roll if we uh, do this again in November. Speaking of that, a group of Broward County political insiders has begun taking charge of running the November election and is drawing up plans to reform election supervisor Miriam Elephant's office and hold a countywide dry run before the vote. The leader of the group has discovered Broward's elections problems are far deeper than the chaos that surrounded last Tuesday's vote. Elephant has overspent her personnel budget by some half a million dollars, according to county officials, and no one's solely in charge of human resources. She's got nobody in charge. Well, and that's the way it goes. Governor Jeb Bush has given his blessing to the group, even though it doesn't exactly mirror what he proposed when he ordered Dayton Broward counties to fix their election systems. Bush's support, coupled with his power to remove Elephant if he wants, means she'll have little choice but to accept the sweeping changes being considered. In other words, he's being swept in the back, you know, kind of like Duff. She's still there, but she's like a figurehead now. Wasn't that cute when he said he was going to follow Clarence down the hall when he goes to talk to Screw Ann about the copy? Wasn't that cute? Okay. And, no, and Clarence is going to say, Hey, Screw Ann, Neil's a bad man. I have to correct you, by the way. I understand he's getting the corner office over here with the window. You know, the one that was supposed to be the production room and actually was for a little while until they cleared all the equipment out of it. Duff. Yeah. The good office, the bigger one with the window, a view. Right. The view of a KFC. So what does that mean? Just... He's not going to be the, in the little the dinky per, office anymore. The person who uh, was in that office before, when we first came there, when we first came up on the third floor, he didn't do anything. He was a figurehead. But anyway, the point I was making, which I thought was a cute story, is that Clarence is down there in Screwan's office. Neil is starting up about that copy again. And behind him is Duff saying, yeah. No, he's not saying anything. He's just giving, like, uh, finger signals to Screwan, like, you know, better get with it, bitch. Stuff like that. Because Clarence still is a little young. He's got a little bit of a credibility problem. He doesn't have that clout. He doesn't have that macho uh, image that Duff has where he can come in there and, like, you know, push people around a little bit. In fact, maybe his uh, buddy from the record company will come in this afternoon and the two of them will go around the building and really push it up. We don't have any time to waste, but I think uh, we'll be able to pull this off, said Art Kennedy, a top aide U.S. representative, Elsie Hastings, and head of the 28-member election task force. Our problem was training and organization. That's going to change. Elephant and her spokesman, Rick Riley, couldn't be reached for comment yesterday. How do you like that? No wonder. The election is uh, screwed up. I love this show. Yeah. Rick Riley is, uh, I wonder what he was doing Wednesday morning. And I wet my pants. Uh-huh. I don't blame you. 
Kennedy's group will begin work today. Has only seven weeks to get the county ready for the November election when voters choose a governor, representatives in Congress, the state legislature, county commission, and school board, and the eyes of the world, not just Florida, not just the U.S. media, the eyes of the world will be focused on Florida to see if we can do one goddamn election right in November or if we continue having the same grotesque uh, incompetence, if we continue having poll workers who are over the age of 500 who make Methuselah look like a freaking teenager. Everybody's going to be watching, okay? Do we really care? No. No, we're used to it. We like the embarrassment. You can't shame us because we're beyond that. Speaking of votes, we got 169 on our poll, neilrogers.com. How's old Eunice doing? She's doing pretty good. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's fake terror threat? And there's no, like, need for a half a dozen choices on here. It's strictly a one or the other. It's he said, they said. She said, them, it, it said. Eunice Stone, the Georgia woman, 115 people believe Eunice, 68%. The three Muslim medical students, 54 a little under 32%. Not even close, is it? No. In fact, I'll tell you something that's not even close to a real piece of copy. This piece of swill I have in my hand right now about New Balance. Our good friends at New Balance, which I'm wearing these great walking shoes from New Balance. This is my second pair of these, the uh, black walking shoes with the uh, Velcro straps. Yes. For those of us who are lazy and don't like laces and stuff. These are so damn comfortable that you don't even realize you have shoes on your feet. But they give you tremendous support. And I've been walking all over the goddamn world, all over Amsterdam and Europe and all over here in Toronto. And don't fall on my ass and my feet are, my feet are doing great, as a matter of fact, now that I mention it, you know. So if you want to get yourself some great walking shoes, athletic shoes for whatever you're going to be doing, head for New Balance. Don't schlep to any place else. That's what Pete Lenny. You know what I'd like to see Pete Lenny do? Schlep right to the door and just keep on going. Anyway, if you want to get fitted up perfect, New Balance guarantees you they always do it. They've got your size and whatever style you like in stock. And, of course, if they do have to special order it for you, they'll do it in an extra charge in the very rare occurrence that they might not have what you want right in stock. So make a run to New Balance in South Florida. they got uh, three locations for you. They're in the Aventura Mall. They're in Pinecrest and the Boca Town Center uh, in prestigious Boca. And you know who lives in Boca? Who? That Jets guy. If your feet could thank you, they would for taking them to New Balance. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAQAM. Only in the Banana Republic, baby. Only in Miami. In theaters now, from the director of Waking Up in Reno, Bill Clinton stars in Waking Up with Janet Reno. We actually did it about uh, an hour ago. Is there a problem? It is a serious problem. I have asked Janet Reno to look at it. Am I missing something here? She wanted to bend over backwards, and we're not through. Our traveling sex show here has put us behind schedule. Waking Up with Janet Reno. Darlene and Roy need to sleep together. It'll make it even. It's like a dealer trade-in. She hugged me and said, Mr. President, I believe that we should do it. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. What a thought. 1017 at 560 WQM. Today's the day. Finally, finally, just a week after the, uh, what did I say before? I thought today was Monday. I can't keep track of the days anymore. It was a week ago today. It was Election Day, the 10th. Anyway, we got the Mad Dog at Chula's this afternoon. We got Hank. Now, look at that. Hank from 3 to 630 because there's another Marlin game, but he's got Patrick Sertain on 5 to 6. So that takes an hour out. So let's see. three and a half. So Hank's got a two-and-a-half-hour show today. Nice going there. Like I told you, we're working less and we want more money. That's the way to do it. Little lesson for all you punks out there. Uh, Marlins on deck, 6:30. Another incredibly meaningless game, and boy, what a matchup this is! The Marlins and the Spos at 7:05. There'll be a lot of Spos and Spos in that game. And then we got Eddie K after baseball. Now, what what does that say on there? Look at the schedule. Look, oh, it's a it's a good thing that Duff came back. You know what? It says Marlins versus Expos, 7:05 to 10:30. Midnight to two, Ed Kaplan and Joe and Mark overnight. So what's going on between 10:30 and midnight? I wonder. Joe's the guy. Oh, I sure hope not. In other words, we're going to, I guess we're going to do transmitter maintenance tonight. Listener's choice. We're just going to okay, open up the phone choice. lines. Who would you like to have on? And speaking of listener's choice, 
I'm just beginning to realize now that I know that it's Tuesday, that we have to make a decision now because tomorrow's Wednesday. Now, remember what I said last Wednesday? No. Because last Wednesday was 9-11. Boy, how soon they forget. Sure. I was probably that fever went to your head. Right. Plus all that <laughs> you've been having. We played the bits for two hours from Oh, that's one. right. That's in the right. last that's two right. hours, I said, hey, this is so enjoyable and so good. And we had such a phenomenal response on our website that day, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, why the hell not just uh, do two hours of bits, 11 to 1 every Wednesday, I'm make it a regular feature? What are you, you're for it? Yeah. I thought Tom, Jicka, Tom Jicka more like that, because then oh. I won't be reading all of these informative uh, articles between 11 and 1. And I won't be carping about, you know, the South Florida situation. Thank goodness I'm not talking about what's happening down there, like the voting scam and all of that stuff. Oh, and you'll be pleased to know, speaking of little Tommy, he's got 75 articles in the paper today. If you go on the Sun Sentinel website and click columns, you'll see Tom's got 142 columns just in today's edition. So I don't want to say that I embarrassed him and is starting to get his uh, little ass in gear and writing some. It's all crap, but at least it's something with his name on it. Nice going, Tom. In fact, probably I alerted the uh, powers that be at Sun Sentinel. You know, the fact that he wasn't writing anything except that stupid Q&A thing every Sunday in the TV book, which he makes up the questions anyway. He wasn't writing anything. And then, of course, as a substitute for an article, it was the cooking show schedule. Well, we don't need some bald-headed geek to pay, you know, put the cooking show schedule. Even they could do that. They could copy it out of the Herald book. There's that damn pigeon again. Oh, and wait till you hear this. Boy, there are more problems in this family, you know, these goody two-shoes, these good Christians who are supposedly so much better than the rest of us. Neil Bush, remember him? Yeah, of course. From the Silverado, the SNL banking scandal? Yes, indeed. Neil Bush, brother of President Bush and Florida Governor Jeb Bush, has filed for divorce from his wife after 20 years, two years of marriage. The divorce petition filed August 26th in Houston cites discord or conflict of personalities as the reason for the split, the Houston Chronicle says. Bush, 46, and wife Sharon married in July 1980 and separated in July this year, according to the suit which was filed under the couple's initials, NMB versus SLB. In dispute is custody of the two of the three of their children, including a 13-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son, the petition said. Daughter Lauren, an 18-year-old fashion model, was not mentioned. Bush lives in Houston, as do his parents, former President George Bush and wife Barbara. Neither he nor his attorney, Richard Flowers, were immediately available for comment. Neil Bush, 46, was banned from being involved with any savings and loan company after a company of which he was director was investigated by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation in 1988. He was one of 12 defendants who agreed in 1991 to pay $49.5 million in a settlement. The Bush family suffered another setback this week when police in Orlando said Noelle Bush, daughter of Jeb Bush, was under investigation for cocaine possession while attending a drug treatment center. The troubled 25-year-old was arrested in January for trying to buy the anti-anxiety drug Xanax with a false prescription in order into a treatment program. Last night, George McGovern was on with the Connie Chink for a little while. Now, do you remember the fact that his daughter died from uh, alcohol? No, I don't. They found her dead in a snowbank. But she had an alcohol problem, and, and they were trying to compare, you know, and, of course, George being a very nice guy. Mm -hmm. I like George McGovern. He's very kind of like mealy mouth. And Connie was, like, making a comparisons, and, of course, they were both going on about how we feel for Jeb Bush and his family and how tragic it is it can happen in any family. But there's a difference there. See, George McGovern wasn't a right-wing fanatic uh, born-again Christian who was moralizing to everybody else and telling them how they were so superior to every, all the rest of us. Finger-pointing goodies. Right, finger-pointing hypocritical assholes who have this dysfunctional family where it seems that every one of the members of their family, uh, directly or indirectly, has got some kind of a either substance problem or accounting problem or some goddamn thing, you know what? And now Neil Bush has got a divorce problem, goddammit. Speaking of a guy that's got a problem, although his problem, they say there's good news and bad news in this uh, Westerfield story. The jury decided yesterday that David Westerfield should die 
for killing seven-year-old neighbor Daniel Van Dam, the little girl who vanished from her bedroom in the first of a string of high-profile child abductions across the country this year. Westerfield, a 50-year-old engineer, shook slightly and blinked rapidly as the verdict was read, but showed no other reaction. He faced either execution or life in prison without parole for killing Daniel in February. The bottom line of this is, unfortunately, he's not going to get executed. Because they had a piece on the news last night about the fact that California only legalized the death penalty in 77, which is why Manson's still alive. And there are 700, uh, or close to 700 people waiting online to be executed. And the appeals take an average of about 10 to 15 years apiece. So by the time they would get to him, he'd long since died of natural causes because he's already 50. Right. So he's not going to get the needle. Superior Court Judge William Mudd can impose the death penalty only if the jury unanimously recommends it. And he also has the option of reducing the sentence to life without parole. Westerfield was also convicted of possessing child pornography. The same jurors who convicted Westerfield told Mudd earlier Monday that they were deadlocked. Defense attorneys had sought to portray the defendant as a family man who has contributed to society through his patented design work on devices used in medicine and other fields. Well, gee, that's something to take into consideration, isn't it? Sure. For about five seconds. Westerfield had no prior felony record, played an active role in the lives of his children and close friends. Defense attorney Stephen Feldman said, he's a good man, but for one three-day weekend of terror, he said. He's a good man, but, you know, he had little laughs. Prosecutor Jeff Dusek noted Westerfield's two ex-wives did not testify on his behalf and ridiculed the notion that the engineer deserved special consideration for his work. Westerfield lived two doors away from the Van Dam family in the upper-middle-class suburb. The girl sold him Girl Scout cookies days before her abduction. Danielle was last seen on February the 1st when her father put her to bed in her second-story bedroom, decorated in her favorite colors, pink and purple. Now, why, why did they put that in this story? I don't know. This is from the Associated Press. I mean, what difference does it make what the colors were? Of her? Is that supposed to, like, elicit more tears from us? Is it if this story isn't already grotesque enough? Her nude body was found nearly a month after, later alongside a road outside the city, too decomposed to determine the cause of death or whether she'd been sexually assaulted. This man is getting a punishment much too good for him. You know what? Yeah. I know. I, I say let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's stone him to death is what I say. What do you say, huh? Any volunteers want to help me on this? Uh -huh. I bet you we'd have people lined up from there to Okeechobee, from there to goddamn Duval County, from there to goddamn Savannah, Georgia, maybe to Calhoun County, Georgia. We can stop in and see how Eunice is doing. Don't you think? Let's go. I mean, this business of, well, uh, you know, I mean, when are we going to mean business in this goddamn society? And this spate that we got of all these uh, grotesque, uh, well, you know, he's sick. Well, good, and let's get rid of him. Then at least we know he won't do it again. Just like John Wall says, at least we know Ted Bundy isn't going to kill any more girls now. In fact, I got a story here a little bit later on. Did you see that four people got out of jail by mistake in Washington in D.C. yesterday? No, I did not. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> by, by mistake. Oops, sorry. Just like Ted Bundy slipped out of there twice. Twice he escaped from jail. Once he had made the hole in the ceiling and got out. And the other time they were like interrogating him in the front room and they, they took a little hiatus for a little conversation. He opened up the window and hopped out. Remember that? Yep. That was either like in, where the hell was that, in Utah or somewhere? Somewhere. Colorado, one of those. So the girls that he killed in Florida would all still be alive if they if they meant business, if they took care of business, but they don't. I'll tell you, I say John Walsh for president. You know, I like him. Right. He'll get things done. You don't like him? I do like him. I was defending him, remember, when uh, you were ripping him? I think you like him like, uh, what was I ripping him for? I don't know, for uh, exploiting his son's death and uh, making a living oh, that, that out of it. Was a, that was a uh, hundred years ago. Right, well then. That was a long time ago. Sure was. That's before we realized he was one of the good guys. He's a hard ass. 
He is a hard ass, and that's in what a good we like. Way, right. We want hard. That's right. We want hard asses when it comes to justice. Instead of worrying about Bill Clinton getting blowjobs, like I said, the fact that these other crooks, the same crooks that are running your government right now, these bastards have have defrauded the public out of billions and trillions of dollars. And well, uh, you know, we didn't know nothing about it, right? Oh, he did wouldn't you see when he was on with uh, with Donahue? He was trying to explain that the, like the Operation Tips people were trying to to suck him into supporting that and uh, right. trying to refer calls to that. And he, like 500 times, he said, we do not have anything to do with Operation Tips. We do not handle calls from Operation Tips. We have nothing to do with them. Right. So I like him a lot. In fact, when he told Larry. I had nothing to do with that. I, I like that a lot. John Walsh for president, baby. I'm writing his name in. 1027 at 560 QM. Let me tell you about another. Let's write Jeff Cohen in for vice president. Sounds like a good idea. It sure be a better choice than Jew Lieberman. Because this Jew knows his food, man. And this Jew doesn't, he doesn't worry about all that religious crap. He just got his ponytail going, his painted fingernails, and those pencil thin anal vibrators, and he's ready to rock and roll. Pizza Loft is going strong in Davie, University Drive between Griffin and 595, Kitty Corner, the great new Armadillo Cafe, and right behind the Pier 1 Imports. And of course, they got it all. Three different kinds of fantastic pizza. They got every kind of pasta dish ever invented. All your Italian favorites, chicken dishes, and veal, and super subs, and calzones, and lots more. Big, big portions. Everything is cooked up fresh to your order, and the prices are still as tiny as ever. So you can afford to take the whole gang in there over and over again. Leave a big tip, though. It'll make up for the rimmers. And don't forget the brand-new Pizza Loft is coming in plantation any day now. What's the date today? The 17th? Yes. I bet you, like, before the next two weeks are out, the brand-new Pizza Loft will be open right kitty corner behind Walgreens there on Sunrise Boulevard, corner of Knob Hill in plantation with the same great food and the same low prices. So get ready for a fantastic feast anytime you're in the mood, lunch, dinner, late night snack at the world flaming pizza law. My, my and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Get off this instant. We've kept America fed for decades. Now the company that brought you toaster strudel, ready baked brownies, and our world famous crescent rolls joins the fight against terror. Introducing the Pillsbury Let's Roll. Nothing says me, Osama, like my new poppin' fresh Let's Roll. <laughs> Try Pillsbury's new Let's Roll. When you turn up the heat, they rise up, just like the USA. <laughs> Pillsbury's Let's Roll, an important part of any nutritious in-flight meal. 1032 at 560 WQM, 203 votes on a poll already. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's fake terrorist uh, uh, hysteria on Alligator Alley? Who do you believe? It's got to be one or the other, either them or her. It's uh, her against them, them against her. Those poor, uh, misunderstood, uh, be, uh, being prejudiced against uh, Muslim uh, medical students who just want to be good doctors and help us, you know, and save American lives, not destroy them. Eunice Stone, the Georgia woman, 135 people, 66.5%. It's about, almost exactly two-thirds. Yes. And the three Muslim medical students, 68, which is you turd. the other turd. This story, which is uh, unfolding today, police nab alleged pearl killer during Pakistan raid. An al-Qaeda militant arrested with the alleged 9-11 organizer Ramzi bin al-Sheib has been identified as one of the killers of Wall Street Journal correspondent Daniel Pearl, a senior police official said today. The identification was made by a Pakistani held but not charged in the kidnapped slaying of the newspaper's South Asian correspondent, according to the official who spoke, of course, on the condition of anonymity. According to the official, by uh, the Pakistani Fazal Karim, no relation to Karim Abdul Jabbar. Fazil Karim was taken to the intelligence agency's safe house. Where, did, you, did you see the uh, pictures they were showing, how they were schlepping him with a blindfold? No. It was uh, beautiful. Uh, he was taken to the safe house where ten suspects, including Bin al-Shib, are being held. Most of them were Yemenis, officials have said. How do you like that? Those Yemenites, huh? 
The official refused to identify Pearl's alleged killer by name, but said he was not among the five people, including Bin Al-Shib, who were handed over to the U.S. authorities yesterday and flown out of the country. So if you see three Yemenites driving on Alligator Alley, <laughs> if true, Kareem's statement will be the first evidence that Al-Qaeda may have been involved in Pearl's abduction and killing. Pearl was kidnapped in January while investigating links between Pakistani militants and Richard C. Reed who was arrested in December on a flight from Paris to Miami with explosives in his shoes. And you can be sure he didn't buy those shoes at New Balance or Brandy's. Pearl's dismembered body was found in May in a shallow grave in Karachi. Police officials have said they were led to the grave by Kareem and two others. It was unclear what impact the revelation would have on the government's case against four Pakistani militants who were convicted of Pearl's abduction in July. British-born Ahmed Omar Saeed Sheikh was sentenced to death by hanging, and others received life sentences. All have appealed. Appeal my ass, okay? Pearl's body was found after the trial of the fort already begun. The government's never charged Kareem or the two others or officially confirmed that they're being held. However, police officials, speaking on the condition of anonymity, told the Associated Press last month that the three men gave them detailed accounts of Pearl's days in captivity. They said a group of Arabs believed to be Yemenis cut Pearl's throat three days after he tried to escape. A group believed to be Yemenis. You following? I follow her. Huh? So one place to stay away from would be... Yaman. That's my suggestion. I mean, you know, if you want to go there, have a good time. If you want to go to Israel, ride on a school bus, go ahead, have a good time. No thanks. At age 100, this is one you just faxed me, which I find appalling, but so typical for Florida, baby. At age 100... Oy. Creek driver has no problem getting license renewed. Depending on their perspective, drivers who encounter Israel Heimowitz on the road could give them a hearty thumbs up or a wide berth. Heimowitz just got his driver's license renewed at the age of 100. Oh, He's good to go for another six years. He's good to go. <laughs> but it isn't exactly life in the fast lane. I'm a good and safe driver, the Coconut Creek man said. My car is a Publix car. I go there and I go home. Or I go to the doctor and I go home. And that's it. The mustachioed Heimowitz, who wears eyeglasses and walks with a cane, said he attracted no notice when he renewed his license just before his September 5th birthday. They weren't interested in my age, he said, just that I have a clean record and paid my fee. Just give me the money, thank you, and that's it. We don't care if you're 500 years old. We don't care if you're deaf and dumb and blind and can't walk or move. We don't give a crap. If you can find some way to give us the cash, we'll take it, go and drive home and have a good time. And don't kill too many people on the way. Absolutely. Incredibly. Oh, look at that. In dramatic contrast to the federal government's opposition to marijuana, Today's a the day for the pot giveaway, giveaway at Santa Cruz City Hall. Today, outside City Hall in Santa Cruz, California. This is because federal agents recently confiscated a marijuana patch that was reserved for use by those with doctor's approval. CNN's Frank Buckley has more on the controversy over so-called medical marijuana. Let him have it, guys. Oh, my God. The early morning raid left the users of the marijuana seized by federal agents, seen in this surveillance video, in shock and enraged. The marijuana users do it legally. According to California law, the cannabis was doctor-recommended. Local police were included in planning to assure them that the operation was, in fact, for medical purposes. Still, on September 5th, Federal agents, without notifying local authorities, descended on this cooperative in the Santa Cruz Mountains and removed 167 marijuana plants. And they arrested the founders of the co-op, Mike and Valerie Corral. It's hard for me to understand the reasoning behind actions that my government would take against sick and dying people. 
Supporters of medical marijuana say the raid here was just the latest in a series of more aggressive federal government actions taken against medical marijuana growers since the Bush administration took office, a charge the DEA denies. We have a responsibility and a duty to enforce the marijuana drug laws along with other, the other laws, but it has no more uh, attention than it has in the past. As a matter of fact, in our overall order of priorities, it is not at the top of our priority right. list. The raid rankled marijuana supporters into organizing a demonstration that will take place at Santa Cruz City Hall, where medical users of marijuana will receive their doses in public. All right. They may be taking their case to the steps of City Hall, but they're not trying to convince the city leaders of their position. In fact, many of the city's top officials will be at the demonstration in support of the users of medically prescribed marijuana. Mayor Christopher Crone says he and others will appear to help uphold the will of voters. The will of the people is um, medical marijuana to those who qualify. And we're hoping for no the corrals have yet to be charged, but federal officials will have up to five years to decide what to do. In a sense, hasn't the government won by stopping you from growing here? No. Um, I... There's a war on drugs, so to use the analogies of war, they may have won this battle, but the war is not over, and we will continue to fight. In the hills and on the streets of Santa Cruz. Frank Buckley, CNN, Santa Cruz, California. Thank you, Frank. How do you like that? A little update there on that we've been talking about. Today's the day, so, and it's only 7.30 in the morning out there. Be right back. You can be out there by noon. It's uh, 10.30. 40, something like that. It's, it's around a 20 before 11, give or take. We got 227 votes on the poll on neilrogers.com. Oh, there's the Soprano stuff. There's spirituality in the Sopranos that you haven't even noticed. Yeah, we, we noticed. 227 votes. Eunice Stone, they believe, regarding last Friday's fake terror threat on Alligator Alley. Eunice Stone, a Georgia woman, 149, 65.6%. The three Muslim medical students, 78, 34.3%. They seem to make a little bit of comeback there, you notice? A little bit. Little bit. Just a little bit. Just a wee little tiny one, okay? Not as big as that schmata the one wears on his head, that doily. And that, you're right. That's exactly. I mean, if you're going to wear some fancy headgear, at least wear one that looks good, okay? That's that, a nice that's, Stetson, you know, man. maybe a fedora. Remember those uh, fancy yarmulkes I used to have on Whammy on right, that awful abortive right show? Here, the one with the propeller on it? The right. At least one. have one like, like the guy who there started Spring Break, George, or whatever that guy's name is. I can't think of his name. Baker, or whatever his name is. Okay. The candlestick maker. Hey, you want a chance to win a free bear from the Vermont Teddy Bear Company? Just sign up to be a preferred member, and that's free, too. Find out more by calling 1-800-829-BEER or visiting their website at vermontteddybear.com. If you're looking for a fun and different gift for somebody's birthday, new baby, or just want to wish somebody well, sending a Bear Graham gift is a swell idea. Just call 1-800-829-BEAR, and a bear council will help you choose from over 100 handcrafted bears, personalized just for your loved one, and delivered in a colorful gift box with a card and candy. It's a creative alternative to flowers that will be enjoyed forever because, unlike flowers, which are dead in a matter of hours, Vermont teddy bears are guaranteed for life. You can choose from bears like the new baby bear with the baby's name and birthday embroidered on the bib or wish somebody well with a good wishes fairy bear. Oh, my God, maybe somebody will send me a fairy bear. They've got bears for hobbies and occupations, too, like the gardening bear and the cooking bear or the businessman and woman bears. Overnight and Saturday delivery is guaranteed. So call today, 1-800-829-BEAR, or shop online at vermontteddybear.com. Show you care, send a bear, the creative alternative to flowers. Call 1-800-829-BEAR, and be sure and tell them that old Neil told you to call. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours. QAM. Criminalized pot in 
Florida. Yes. Are you sure? writes on TomPayne.com on that website, which has got some good stuff on it all the time, by the way. Yes, it does. TomPayne.com, Mincense. Why aren't U.S. journalists reporting from Iraq, she'd be asking. Nina Burley has written for the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, and New York Magazine. As a reporter for Time, she was among the first American journalists to enter Iraq after the Gulf War. She says, this week we're finally getting to the core excuse from the Bush administration for attacking Iraq right now. Vice President Dick Cheney, in an interview with CNN's John King on Sunday, laid it out nice and simple the way they like it back in Wyoming. We have to worry about possible, the possible marriage, if you will, of a rogue state like Saddam Hussein's Iraq with a terrorist organization like al-Qaeda. This notion that the Iraqi leader is in cahoots with Osama will be easy to feed the American people. To the American people, one bad Arab is the same as the next, and Osama equals Saddam. People who wonder about the, the Bush war urgency only need to think about this. There's a blind spot that needs to be exploited now before too many journalists get the idea to go inside Iraq and find out what's really happening. As long as the Condi Rices, Dick Cheney's, and other hawks are talking to journalists with no experience inside Iraq, they won't get a raised eyebrow about this notion that the secular dictator is in bed with the jihadis, even though there have been reported, reprinted reports by the Washington Post writers in the International Herald Tribune that the CIA has found absolutely no link between the Iraqi dictator and al-Qaeda. Why aren't more American journalists reporting from Baghdad? Admittedly, Iraq is a difficult place to cover. First, there are the logistical problems. You can't get a visa very easily, and you just can't fly into Baghdad. You have to spend 14 hours sitting in a car, driving across the barren crust of earth that covers all those billions of barrels of oil that Cheney and company are really interested in. Once inside Baghdad, you're assigned a minder, a sometimes very creepy member of the Iraqi government apparatus who's going to eavesdrop on everything you say and terrify any average person you happen to meet. 
Thus, the reporting from Baghdad is usually very slight. Tom Brokaw, back in April, intrepidly got himself inside Baghdad. He reported from an open market, and as so many reporters have done in the past ten years, to say it looked like the Iraqis had ample food supplies. This visual essay is contrary to U.N. claims, but it's an easy one to make. Look, there are some piles of food, and there are some people cut back to New York. Print reporters with more time and column inches aren't doing much better. Larry Kaplow, Cox Washington Bureau, got inside this summer. Here's what he reported. Iraqis, as deprived as they are, still get ice cream. Kaplow stood in line with average Iraqis lined up outside a stand in the steaming summer heat, buying their pathetic cones of frozen ice drizzled with Dayglow sweetener. See, these Iraqis still have a sweet tooth after the sanctions, and that was that. The best of American reporters don't seem to give a hoot about getting inside the country and looking around. Take the latest from ABC News. Producer Chris Viastos, Viastos spent months in an unnamed Middle Eastern country working his sources to get an interview for Claire Shipman with an alleged mistress of Sodom's, just so we can learn this week that the freak uses Viagra and likes to watch torture videos of his enemies. I've been to Iraq three times since the Gulf War. I know it's not easy to get inside or get real interviews, but it can be done. American peace activists are going every month, walking the streets freely. Anyone who spends a little time in Baghdad knows there's one thing the dwindling, beaten-down middle class in that country fears more than the hideous regime of Saddam Hussein, an Islamic uprising. The Iraqis sent millions of young men to their deaths in the 1980s, fighting exactly the kind of fundamentalist Islamic mentality that we so dread now. As much as they hate their dictator, Iraqis hate the Islamists even more. As a Sunni Muslim, so does Saddam. As in the 1980s, this creepy strongman is standing between the Iraqis and the jihad. This observation isn't difficult to come by. All it takes is a little time and a little guts. Any journalist who spends a few weeks on the ground in Baghdad will start to hear this talk. People, women especially, who've got more rights in Iraq than any other Arab country, are terrified of the jihadis in Iraq, even more than they're terrified of their dictator, with his creepy big brother pictures staring at them from every crack and crevice of their wasted, wilted country. The trouble is the journalists with the guts and means to go and claim the country aren't doing their job. Maybe they'll all try to get visas when the bombing starts and report from the Rashid Hotel at the point when informing Americans will mean snagging footage of dead civilians instead of asking Cheney why he isn't more worried about nukes in Pakistan where the jihadis are actually in the army and intelligence. Writes Nina Burley in TomPayne.com. Don't confuse the public with the truth, baby, because the truth is very confusing and aggravating and just get everybody whipped up into a frenzy. Let's roll, baby. Let's get the Pillsbury Doughboy out and let's roll. What do you say? You ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm rolling one now. Pervert. Oh, look at this. A new piece of copy. Can you believe that? I, yeah. Oh, my God. I may have a fart attack. Don't get right excited. Here. It's from Troy. Oh, that's from Troy? Well, no wonder. That's from our buddy Troy. Troy's the boy, man. We're not hey talking now. about... Roy! We're talking about our buddy Troy Stratford. He the man. Oh, but you know something? What? Did you look at this copy? Not really. Schmutz. Oh, I see. Do you think that Troy wrote about Schmutz? See, we no. have a new copy person, and that's Petey Lenny. You're not fooling me, Petey. Quit writing a copy, okay, you idiot. Go out and sell something. Sell a good account for once in your life, which I doubt. I don't think you'll ever do that. Sell something good. Sell something we can be proud of. What a lunatic. Schmutz. Schlepping and schmutz. Maybe he's going to be schlepping schmutz. Yosemite killer Kerry Stainer found sane. Jury decision means he's eligible for the death penalty. But this is another problem. See, we got all these people eligible for the death penalty, but they're not going to get uh, executed. Convicted Yosemite killer Kerry Stainer was sane when he murdered three park tourists in 1999, a jury said yesterday, clearing the way for jurors to consider sentencing him to death. Oh! Jurors took less than four hours to reject the defense claim. The former motel handyman was crazy and unable to understand what he was doing or to know that it was wrong to murder the three Yosemite National Park tourists. If he had been found insane, he would have automatically been sentenced to life. 
The same jurors convicted Stainer last month of murdering Carol Sun, 42, her daughter Julie, 15, of Eureka, and their Argentine friend, Silvina Palazzo, 16, while they were staying at the lodge where he worked outside the park. Jurors will now begin the penalty phase of the case against Stainer, 41, and will weigh whether to sentence him to death yes. or to life in prison. No. He already is serving a life sentence for another 1999 slaying, that of Park Nature guy Joey Armstrong. He pleaded guilty in that case in a deal that spared him from a possible death sentence. How do you like that? I don't. Let me say it again. Stone him to death, and the same with, uh, what's his name? Whether, uh, whether, whether, uh, whatever his name is. David, uh, what the hell's his name? Westerfield. Westerfield, sorry. I'm, I was thinking more like Chesterfield. Before your time, though. Were they, were they making Chesterfield like Chesterfield. No. Tight little island full of gay romance. They wear gay sandals and they wear tight pants. Oh. Sun-drenched top to bottom every day. Blessed with the miracle of being gay. The very best of faggots in the USA. Giving big, big pleasure in a big, big way. Yes. The very best of faggots in the USA. Giving big, big pleasure in a big, big way. Yeah. Join the big swish to Chesterfield Queen, new choice of the fags of America. <laughs> oh, that's still one of my favorites. Oh, it's great. Isn't it great? And I haven't played that in a coon's age, so I'm glad that I was inspired there by Westerfield and Chesterfield. See, it's a good thing that I couldn't remember his name. See how one thing kind of like leads to Wait. another? Man convicted of kidnapping honor student given life in prison. Omaha. Well, that's one of my favorite cities, Omaha. Maybe I'll go back there someday just to eat steak. A man convicted of kidnapping a teenage girl and taking her on a six-day, 900-mile odyssey was sentenced to life in prison yesterday. I'll just go there to eat steak and sit around and look at the pretty Midwestern people. Those corn-fed, you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Those women with the large, uh, supple breasts mm. and firm, tight asses. Not those big, sloppy asses like you see in South Florida on those Cuban women. And those hot young guys with their uh, firm, uh, well, whatever. Anthony Wright, 31, was convicted in June of kidnapping a 17-year-old girl outside a shopping mall near her home in Kearney in April 2001. The high school honors student was freed when Wright surrendered six days later in Montana. Wright, who also went by the name Tony Zappa, you think he was kin to Frank? Maybe he moved to Montana to raise up a crop of dental floss. I see. Wright, who also went by the name Tony Zappa, was given an additional seven years for using a firearm to commit a violent crime. I think they ought to give him a moon Zappa myself. He became eligible for a life sentence after a jury concluded he was saying he sexually assaulted the girl, even though he wasn't charged with that crime. I can't count on age and time to rehabilitate Mr. Zappa, Judge Warren Euborn said, in handing down the sentence. The victim testified at the trial that she was bound with duct tape and chains and repeatedly raped. Lovely. Zion America, baby. 259 votes on our poll today. This is one of the most important polls you'll ever participate in. You believe that? No. No, but it's, uh, you know, I mean, this is one you've got to have an opinion on. Unless you've been living in some kind of a cocoon, unless you've been adopting that ostrich-like stance with your head buried deep in the Florida sand for the last several days. Because it just happened over the weekend. It happened on Friday morning. As we all sat here crapping our pants. Oh, another terror alert. And then, of course, there's Paula speculating about Turkey Point Nuclear Facility. And also about, uh, then they come on with that thing about the Delta plane that was diverted, which had absolutely nothing to do with what was happening on the alley or any other goddamn crap. CNN stands for Certainly Not News. No. No chance. Crap. An embarrassment. And by the way, it's nice to see the way they're rubber stamping everything that's going on now. Yes. Lovely. Good job. 262 votes on a poll. Who do you believe in regarding last Friday's fake terror alert on the uh, alley? 
Eunice Stone, that Georgia woman, 64 and a half percent, 169. The three Muslim medical students, those wonderful young men who just want to want to save lives and do their thing, 93, 35.4%. <laughs> Know that the Lord even loves Neil Rogers. Oh, hello, Neil. It's Greg. Do forgive me for being so forward and allowing myself to call you, but I just had to ask you. Can I please fire George? No. Look, you have no idea that kid put Salt Peter in Moe's wig, and he slashed the tires on my Cadillac. No, it's true. It's true. All true. Read Inquisition, the fire George. I want to pitch him out the door. I want to kick him with my Gucci shoes. We're in position for a cell, so I'm dismissing personnel that need permission from that fat gay Jew. Permission from the Jew. I confess, I find sex talk boring. Sex is boring. Sports talk. Ricky Williams in a dress. <laughs> Read Inquisition. Me and Mo, we're insistent. George must go. My pants on petition. Cause I can't get my way. And I'm wishing I could fire George today. Inquisition Radio. We like playing brains for hoes. Like to get me in the throne. Back when my wife got pregnant, I practiced contraception, wore a contraceptive way down to my balls. It's been brought to my attention that it wasn't my erection and discovered that it wasn't me at all. Was that considerate? Was that nice? To discover that Greg Reed knocked up my wife. Read Inquisition, drives on hate, unless you're sniffing. Sport holds the best position when sport holds spread their legs. Bless him. Hey, Greg, how was George's show today? He talked about women like he does every Greg day. Greg hates you. Talked about women? What are they? Well, they're not as exciting as sport hole fame. Reading positions, sport assholes. We're licking kissing, most brown holes. Can't get permission to make George go away. So I step my feet in Gucci shoes. They make the plans that they refuse. At least let me suspend him for a day. 11.03 at 5.60. Greg did what? What did it say in there? Uh, I didn't hear a thing. Oh, I didn't either. Now, you never actually did get suspended at all, did you? Not yet. And you want to know why? Why is that? Because Mo did the right thing. He backed oh, off. Oh, that's good. He did I the right thing. I just wanted to remind, remind you that next time you see him in the hall. I'll Thanks for doing thank the right thing, Mo. Thank you. Okay. Now, remember I mentioned about the D.C. jail and they let the four inmates out by mistake? I yes. said it was like uh, in one day. I, can I correct that? Okay. You'll feel better about it. It was during a six-day period last month. Oh. The D Doesn't that make you feel better? Much. As opposed to just opening up the doors and letting a whole bunch of people out. The D.C. jail erroneously released four inmates during a six-day period last month, <clears throat> among them a student from Pakistan who threatened to kill President Bush a week after the 9-11 terrorist attacks and who should have been delivered to federal authorities for a deportation proceeding. 
Jail officials cited the records office, which is blamed in the mistaken release of at least nine inmates this year, including the latest four. The unit continues to grapple with errors despite a recent $350,000 overhaul that included new computers, training for its two dozen employees, and the drafting of a 950-page manual on how to handle records. you got to handle your records carefully or they get scratched. The latest incidents occurred several weeks after D.C. Superior Court Judge Rufus G. King III. <laughs> His name is Rufus. Okay. What's wrong with that? Well, it used to be doofus, and he right. changed it. It was kind of embarrassing. Citing an increase in erroneous releases, personally intervened and instructed all parties involved in the handling of inmates in their files to address what he called an unacceptable situation. These incidents occurred several weeks after he'd be instructing them on that. Jail officials said a preliminary review indicates that three of the erroneous releases appear to have been the result of mistakes made by workers in the records orifice and that the fourth may have been the result of an error committed by an employee in the receiving and discharge unit. When in doubt, squirt, squirt. discharge some out. Two of the four inmates who were mistakenly discharged between August 19th and 25th have turned themselves in, including Kashul Khan, 32, author of a threatening email to Bush on September 19th last year. One other has been apprehended, and the fourth remains at large. Khan attended George Washington University on a student visa and was two courses away from a master's degree from the School of Engineering. Khan, whose student visa had been revoked because of unauthorized travel to Pakistan, pleaded guilty to sending Bush the email with the heading, I will kill you. According to an affidavit by a Secret Service agent, Khan wrote, If I'm forced to go home, I'll swear to God I will try to blow your place up. He also admitted forwarding the email to First Lady Laura Bush, Vice President Cheney, and his wife Lynn, the affidavit said. It doesn't say if the uh, Cheney's gay daughter got the copy. Several days after his release in late August, Khan contacted the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service, arranged to surrender. The INS had filed two detainers with the D.C. jail, one after his arrest last September and another one last month, to ensure that Khan was held after he completed his sentence. He was released over a weekend and spent at least two nights at Union Station because he initially had no ID and was unable to get a hotel room because of that, said one of his attorneys. After talking with him on the phone and meeting with him in my office, I put Mr. Con in contact with the agent handling his INS case, and then he decided when to call her. The other freed inmates included a 43-year-old man serving six months in a domestic violence case who was free for eight days before being picked up by the authorities August 27. Another inmate, 26-year-old woman, held on a warrant for violating the terms of a release after a drug conviction in federal court, was released August 24th and remains at large. King, in an interview, said the new cases are further examples of the seriousness of the problem that I'm trying to remedy, and obviously doing a hell of a job. Oh! Nice going there, Kingmeister. Lovely. You be doing it, man. Speaking of somebody who's doing it, Governor Bush and the drug rehab clinics. Yeah. This article is written by Jack Wilder Versteeg. Well, it sounds like a Dutchman to me, you know it? Ah. No, no, you don't, you don't say ach when we're talking about a Dutch. Oh, what are you do, crazy? What do the Dutch say? Dutch say, uh, ach. alstublieft. They don't say ach, ach du liver. You crazy? You start messing around with Dutch people and calling them German men, they'll, be, they'll beat the ach, snot they, out of you. No, they don't like that, do they? No, they do not. They take great umbrage with that and great glee in the fact that they still allegedly have all that gold that they uh, heisted from the Germans at the end of the war. Governor Bush and the Drug Rehab Clinics by Jack Wilder Versteeg in the Palm Beach Post today on the op-ed page. After Noel Bush was accused last week of having crack cocaine, Governor Bush said, this is a private issue as it relates to my daughter, myself, and my wife. His political life and his private life, the governor insists, do not intersect. Governor Bush himself has brought up his daughter at least twice in public, once this spring at a Tallahassee drug summit and once last month while he campaigned at a Pentecostal church. Both times, Governor Bush asked supporters to pray for Noel, who's 25, and both times, Governor Bush cried. 
it would be foolish for anyone who has a son or daughter not safely into those 30-something years to start thinking that he or she is a superior parent to Jeb and Columbo Bush. Addictions are complex and powerful. Good parents can have troubled kids. The intersection between the governor's public and private lives is not that his daughter's plight proves anything about him as a parent. Rather, Noelle Bush and her parents in their private capacity have been let down by a system that Governor Bush in his official capacity has also let down. Specifically, Governor Bush has not kept his four-year-old pledge to fix the Florida Department of Children and Families, which oversees a range of services and clinics, including the one in Orange County that's providing treatment to Noel Bush. DCF has been more concerned with covering its own butt than with looking after the children and families supposedly in the state's care. Governor Bush in his political life has been engaged in a similar duck and cover. When top DCF officials learned in May 5th that five-year-old Rillia Wilson has been missing for a year without anybody noticing, they waited six days before notifying police. They wanted to handle it in-house. Governor Bush, meanwhile, raised his own smoke screens, appointing a panel of cronies to investigate. It was no surprise when they backed DCF leadership. A conclusion exposed as foolish when the governor appointed Bush family loyalist Jerry Regeer to replace Kathleen Kearney as the agency's secretary. The latest cover-your-ass attempt by a state-supported institution involves Noelle Bush. She's being treated for substance abuse at the Center for Drug-Free Living in Orlando. A judge sent her there as an alternative to prosecution after she was arrested in Tallahassee in January and charged with fraudulently obtaining the prescription drug Xanax. The treatment facility is not part of DCF, but it is licensed by DCF and apparently shares that agency's tendency towards self-protection. Last week, a center resident tipped police that the staff had found crack cocaine in Ms. Bush's shoe. Police investigated, and one employee was providing a written statement, but a supervisor told the worker to stop cooperating, and the employee tore up her statement. Police then said they couldn't charge Ms. Bush because center employees wouldn't cooperate. The police officer said a center official told them it was standard, standard operating procedure to handle types of situations in-house like this. Possessing any amount of cocaine is a felony in Florida. There is no in-house exemption. The Orange Osceola State Attorney's Office has subpoenaed for the workers. The Herald has reported that the police report raised questions whether officials at the Center for Drug-Free Living may have given Noel Bush special treatment. But this isn't the case of Noel Bush getting special treatment. It's the case of the agency, which provides services in part with public dollars, trying to give itself special treatment. Ms. Bush is at the center precisely because she needs special treatment. It's not unusual for an addict to have lapses before treatment succeeds. The big question isn't whether Ms. Bush had crack, even though it could result in another felony charge. The question is how she got it and whether the Center for Drug-Free Living or its employees are at fault. On Friday, a judge delayed reviewing Noel Bush's case because center employees won't cooperate. She could be sent to jail, as she was briefly in July, when caught with unauthorized prescription drugs. She could also be bounced from the program and face the original charge in Tallahassee and the other potential charge in Orlando. Dropping her from the program wouldn't help. As a father and as a governor, however, Mr. Bush should be holding the DCF and the clinics with which the agency is allied accountable. Secrecy helps bureaucrats and politicians, not drug treatment clients. Good article by our Dutch friend Jack Wilderverstieg in the Palm Beach Post today. How do you say yes in Dutch? I beg your pardon? How do you say yes in Dutch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> they weren't just making that up? No, I was not. Nay. Nay is no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. Or how about Jess? 289 votes on our poll. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's debacle? The fake terror threat on Alligator Alley. Eunice Stone, a Georgia woman, the eavesdropper, the lady who was doing her civic duty. 183, 63.3%. The three Muslim political medical students, 106, 36.6%. How come those numbers start changing like in their favor now? Do you have any idea? Have to raise one eyebrow about that. Have to look askew and askance at that. Remember Governor Askew? Yes, I do. Ruben. 
Oh, that sounds good. You know what a nice Reuben? Oh, yeah, doesn't it? From the pickle barrel? Mmm. 12 minutes after 11 at 560 WQM. Mattress shopping is a total waste of time. I keep yelling it. I'd like to put up a billboard tell you what's wrong with some of you people out there that don't get the message. I mean, why would you want to go schlepping around, get ripped off, and not wind up getting what you want in the first place and play potluck with your health in your back when you can get you the best mattress in the world at an unbeatable everyday low price from our friends at Dollar Mattress by making one easy phone call. That's it. 1-800-MATTRESS, M-A-T-T-R-E-S. You'll be immediately, if not sooner, connected to a betting expert who really knows their crap, and they'll hook you up with exactly the kind of mattress you want and the name brand that you love the most, and they only carry the top brands in the world. They've got Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, all the top makers in the universe. And when you call Dial a Mattress, you pick the day in the two-hour window for delivery any day, seven days a week, when it's convenient for you when you're going to be around, instead of sitting on your can all day praying and hoping that somebody eventually might show up. And they also give you that unbeatable 30-day in-home comfort guarantee so you can test your mattress the smart way by sleeping and rolling and doing stuff on it. So pick up the phone and call them right now. They'll be there in no time at all, and you and your back will have a big smile on its puss. You ever have a smile on your back? Uh, maybe in lipstick. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, toll-free, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the web if you like at mattress.com. Mike and this is Sports Radio 560, QAM. By the way, Troy... I want to bang you in the butt, honey. Martha, I feel you have stayed your perfect reputation. But you're still small. I don't think Troy, um, the other Troy, Troy Stratford wrote Schmutz in that other piece of copy. Speaking of this Troy, by the way, if he, if I was reading uh, the stuff I put on the air here as fast as he was reading that spot, that copy, yeah, nobody understand. I mean, I read pretty fast. I, I missed but... it. Let's play it again. I was out taking a <laughs> walk. I mean, it was unbelievable. In fact, for just a second there, I thought he was, uh, he was uh, reprising one of the one of the uh, bits that we play. If I can find it, yeah, like that. Man, lunatic. Just like that. High school, oh, this is not, there's no uh, monkeying around with a story like this. And this is another one. Is this ever going to stop or what? No. I pulled this off the fax machine back there, and I, I can't believe it again. Pemberton, New Jersey, a 15-year-old high school football player collapsed and died 
of an apparent asthma attack during what coaches described as a light non-contact practice yesterday died. afternoon. Dominic. He died? I heard it the first time. Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe you did that. Well, they can't hear the show from there. Yeah, but our audience can, you insensitive little spick. Dominique Johnson, a sophomore at Pemberton High School, made his varsity football debut two days earlier as a tailback, carrying the ball five times for 15 yards. Although school was closed yesterday, the team held an afternoon practice at Helen A. Fort Middle School. A half hour after the end of the practice, Johnson complained of tightness in his chest. His asthma inhaler didn't help. When his condition worsened, the trainer tried cardiopulmonary resuscitation. The boy was taken by ambulance to Virtua Memorial Hospital, Burlington County, in Mount Holly, where he died about 3.45 yesterday afternoon. The entire school district is shaken, school spokesman Tom Bauer told the Burlington County Times of Willingboro for Tuesday's editions. From administrators to the school board, all the way down to the students, were all badly shaken, he said. And it was George who dropped that. He died the drop in there in a very, very inappropriate, uh, just grotesque. Exactly. Unacceptable. 307 votes. Now, what's it? Is it, uh, 63 and a half to 36 and a half? They believe the, uh, the broad. That Yahoo from Georgia. I mean, that, that's your choice. You either believe her that she really overheard this conversation and they were, like, uh, making these what she thought were threats, or you believe then that they never said a word about 9-11 and that this woman was just a, a bigot. She just profiled them because the one had a schmott on his head, which I find to be fair. I mean, e even the, the worst cracker from Georgia, I just can't imagine them embellishing a story quite that elaborate. Can you? No. But nevertheless, we got... 36.5% of this audience who believes it, or so they say anyway. I think they're just trying to bust my balls. Investigation identifies 360 in church accused of abuse. Cleveland, investigators have identified 360 people in the city's Roman Catholic diocese accused of sex abuse, about 100 of whom are priests, the plain dealer, the Cleveland plain dealer says today. I just, I want to read that again. Could you? Investigators have identified 360 people in the city's Roman Catholic diocese accused of sex abuse, about 100 of whom are priests. The Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office this week will finish a five-month investigation into child sexual abuse in the diocese. Prosecutor William Mason described the investigation as unprecedented in its scope and magnitude. He said investigators interviewed more than 700 people claiming sexual abuse. Some incidents under review date back more than 50 years. Priests, nuns, Lay teachers, we know why they call them that, administrators, custodians, and school-age students and parents have been accused of abuse, Mason said. It'll be a few weeks before prosecutors know how many cases pass evidentiary rules and statute limitations restrictions required for presentation with grand jury, he'd be saying. The time restraints for bringing charges against alleged abusers have been exceeded in almost all of the cases, but he expects that some indictments will be issued, he said. Indictment. Our first priority... Oh, did you see that Jesse Jackson speaking at Michigan State the other day? I saw it. I faxed it to you. I, but I threw it out. Oh. And you want to know what? What? The arena was almost empty. There were like a smattering of people in there. <laughs> yeah, that's the good news. Even even Bob Novak, who I had to agree with for once in my life last night on Crossfire, which is a horrible show, even Bob Novak said that there was almost nobody there. Oh, and then, and then Paul Begala feels compelled to say, oh, Jesse Jackson's got a lot of really good things for people. You're yeah, right. The only good thing he'd do was like, go away. Go away, Jesse. Don't go away, man. Just go away and don't come back. Our first priority was to protect the children who are in the schools now and those who will come in the future, Mason told the plain dealer. To accomplish this, we needed to take the child abusers out of commission if they still exist. Since April, four assistant prosecutors working full-time and 25 others working part-time have sifted for more, for more than 37,000 pages of diocesan documents. The plain dealer could not reach the diocesan officials for comment. They're mums. 
Here's more on that pot stuff in California and Santa Cruz, which we had an excellent piece from CNN earlier in case you missed it. That was a good piece. Yes, it was. And you saw the old lady token up. I think she had crack in that pipe. She had some cracks. Suzanne Fell understands why federal agents burst in just after dawn with guns drawn and handcuffed her. That's routine in drug busts. What she can't understand is why agents kept ordering her to stand up after they saw her crutches and leg braces next to the bed. She was just like, what's her name's mother on Passions? What's her name, the one who thinks she's going to get Louise? I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of her name. That's when her blood pressure spiked and she felt chest pains. Uh. The agents refused to call an ambulance as File 42, Suzanne File, Fell, whatever it is, disabled by polio. That she can't forgive. Totally unprofessional, she says. They were brutalizing us. Outrage over a September 5th raid at a medical marijuana cooperative in the coastal hills north of here festers beyond the terminally ill patients who use marijuana to ease pain, which California law allows. The raid is the latest, perhaps the most controversial collision of federal law and the nation's growing medical marijuana movement. In this fascist goddamn freaking country, baby, that all of you people are so willing to take your tax dollars and go fight some ungodly war in some ungodly place so that the oil can uh, get sucked up by the Cheney and Bush uh, buddies. That's what it's all about. Like I said before, if it's really, if it's really regime change, see, one minute it's not regime change. One minute it's, oh, weapons of mass destruction. Then when that isn't going over too good because there's really no evidence, forget about that. Forget we ever said that it's regime change. And if you can't knock him off for less than $200 billion, then let somebody else in there who can. Can you believe that? Yeah, I believe it. Of course, these are the same people who can't find Osama Yamama and can't find Mullah Bullah Omar. And their big claim to fame is we found the six uh, scumbags in Lackawanna, New York. Oh, you should have seen yesterday on one of the Buffalo channels about 2.15. They break into the programming breathlessly, and there's Governor Pataki. Not that he was grandstanding or using this for political purpose, you understand. Did the governor have anything to do whatsoever with the capture of those six scumbags? No. No. And there's the mayor of Lackawanna. Did he have anything to do with it at all? No. No. And they're both the grandstanding for the public. And in the meantime, come to find out, because 5% of Lackawanna is Muslim, Okay. And come to find out that it was mostly tips from people who lived there, from other Muslims who, who ratted on their, ratted these assholes out, and they've been watching them for a long time. So nice going, all you uh, Buffalo, you Lackawanna Muslims. Oh! In fact, that's going to be the new football team. Forget the Buffalo Bills. It's the Lackawanna Muslims. They can get the fat boy to play for them. California Attorney General Bill Lockyer condemned the bust as a waste of law enforcement resources, a cruel step against a group that presents slight danger to the public, and a slap at the state's voters. The Santa Cruz County Sheriff, whose deputies have worked closely with co-op managers to ensure that the operation is law-abiding, said he was disappointed by the raid. Today, the Santa Cruz City Council is permitting the co-op to hand out marijuana publicly to its patients at City Hall. It's just absolutely loathsome to me that federal money, money, energy, and staff time would be used to harass people like this, said Emily Riley, Santa Cruz's vice mayor, especially at a time like this when we're under orange alert. Well, I guess when this happened, we were only under uh, puce alert. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, it was puce. <clears throat> it was chartreuse and it was puce, and it's enough to turn my stomach loose. I'll tell you that right now. That's what Claire Boothloose would tell you if she could, but she's dead. Freaking fascist goddamn government. I'll tell you one thing. That John Ascroft, Heinrich Himmler had nothing on him. Hermann Goering had nothing on this crowd. 26 after 11. I'll tell you, it reminds me a little of a small, a shorter Hermann Goering. Todd Dreck. Have you ever noticed? <laughs> In I fact, I he has that. What Gehring looks like. He has that. Well, no, he was a big fat guy. He has a Napoleonic complex. He walks around with his hand in his, uh, you know, on his uh, thing, on his heart. 
Maybe he's just saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Hey, you're going to be writing some copy for us, Todd, because you're a piece of dreck. You're living up to your name. You suck. You blow. You bite. You make me ill. You are the most useless excuse for a human being that ever walked the face of the earth, okay? That ever crawled around. You're like slime. You're like an oozing amoeba. Is there such a thing as an oozing amoeba? Well, if, I, I don't if there, think there's any other kind. Well, if there wasn't, he'd be the one. Let me tell you how you become a high-paid computer professional. You sure as hell don't talk, call Todd Dreck, because he won't give you any meaningful information. All he'll give you is double talk and uh, hop on your scale to get a free uh, weight job. Anyway, if you want to get a really good school, it'll help you become a computer professional and start making some really good bucks. Call our good friends at Fast Train. They're nice people. They love me. They love this show. I guess they get pretty good results from the show. But how, how they stay with us, I have no idea, because Todd Dreck is so derelict in his duty and refuses adamantly in a militant way to do anything to help these people to give us even up even if he wrote it on a piece of toilet paper which he could wipe his ass with by the way no matter what he did it would be an improvement over the pathetic excuse for a job he's done for our close personal friends at fast train where you can complete your program and get certified in just four short months and they have four convenient locations in Dayton Broward including the new ones in Pembroke Pines and now in Kendall so if you want to learn your stuff, if you want to become a computer professional, if you want to get out of your dead-end job, if you want to walk up to Todd Dreck and slap him right in a little puss, don't forget where there's no sense, there's no feeling, call our friends at Fast Train toll-free, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on the web if you like at FastTrain.FreakingCom. Live, live, and local, we are Sports Radio 560, QAM. I wouldn't believe a word Neil said if his no. tongue was notarized. Whoa. Hiya, Powie. Sorry, hi, boy. I didn't see you in there. Don't look, okay? I'm making it. Well, at least close the door, will you? I can't. Don't go looking in the door. I spread my legs when I splat. My cheeks are touching the floor. Don't want nobody to see me like that. I'm reading the paper in the handicap store. Please don't come in. Mm -hmm. and Geldy. Mark and Joe. Blue hair Tommy. Hiya, Pally. Hey, Hollows. Hi. That's disgusting. Mad Dog Jim. Hiya, hiya. I can't close the door. Cause I can't see. Don't go looking in the door. I'm dropping toys in the well. Please don't turn around. Try to ignore. My pungent doo-doo smell. I'm in here making with my pants on the floor. Next to my chin. Finally done. Pally, he got a command performance of that this morning, and you told me he uh, turned red in the face. Oh, Would that have been something if we'd have put him over the edge? I would have felt really bad about that. Well, why is that? It's not as he bad as Book of Brian. He, he wanted a command performance, and I think he deserved it. 339 votes on the poll. I'm, I'm starting to uh, suspect 
this pool a little bit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know. Because it was over 70%, we believe, that nice uh, all-American lady who was doing her uh, patriotic duty. She was doing her duty, just like Fat Boy, only I'm sure a lot more sanitarily, and could close the door. Although she was pretty hefty, too, not in his category. She was kind of a porker, too, you notice? Yes. And you want to know why? Why? Because she's American. Oh. Eunice Stone, the uh, Georgia woman who overheard these uh, alleged scumbags, allegedly plotting, or at least allegedly uh, f faking a plot, 218, 64.3% for Eunice. The three Muslim medical students, fine young men who just want to uh, save Americans from all these diseases and death, 121, 35.6%. Heavy duty total. Oh, Bin al Sheba is described as a very big fish. You know what that reminds me of? No. Which one of those bits is where he says a very big fish in a little, a little small pond? Whatever one that is. Fired. Is that what it is? Oh, I played that yesterday. We don't want to play that again today, do we? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe. You never know. You never know. we got the Mad Dog at Shula's at 1 o'clock. Hank Goldberg in the studio, 3 to 6.30, with Patrick Sertain. Are you sure? We're Sertain. 5 to 6 this afternoon. Another one of those, uh, here's a jock guy on there for it for an hour. Marlon's on deck at 6.30. Marlon's in the Spos at 7.05, followed by Eddie Kay. And the Dirty Boys, Joe and Mark, overnight. And then, of course, if you miss Joe and Mark, you can hear like the last uh, hour of their show, repeated uh, between 6 and 6.30 in the morning. Can you believe he's got Dan LeBastard on tomorrow? Wasn't bad enough that he had all the chronic callers on today, including Joe. Oh, man. Not Joe Costello, but Joe the chronic caller. And Mark the Jets fan. And who else did we get this about? Richie from Boar's Head. Oh, my God. Remember that story we had yesterday about the shootings in New York? Right. A former FBI agent who was an executive at the fraud unit of Empire Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And what did I speculate? Didn't I say it looked like a lover's triangle? Yes, you, you said that. A former FBI agent who was an executive at the fraud unit of Empire Blue Cross and Blue Shield called two co-workers into his office yesterday morning, shot them to death, and then killed himself, sources told the A&P. The apparent shooter identified as a Blue Cross vice president was formerly an agent at the FBI in Jersey. A federal law enforcement source speaking on condition of anonymity, of course, told the AP. A spokeswoman for the FBI in Jersey, Special Agent Sandra Carroll, said, I'm looking into it. I haven't had a chance to confirm anything. Police Commissioner Raymond Kelly confirmed that the dead, a man in his 50s and a man and woman in their 30s, all worked at the fraud unit of Blue Cross. The name, well, I'm sure this story is old. Boy, I screwed up on this. This is like from last night. Kelly said all three victims were found in the older man's corner office. Two semiotic pistols were found on the floor along with numerous shells. Two police sources told the AP that murder-suicide was the leading theory but said the motive was unknown. And uh, this is not the right story. I must have downloaded the wrong story. You want to know why? Because uh, the story I had said it was a love triangle. How do you like that? Maybe like in the Daily News. And this is from the Daily News, only an earlier edition. God dang. Well, there you go. There's one for New York. <laughs> Screwed up. It was a love triangle, just like I said. Brevard officer faces charge in prostitution sting. An 11-year veteran of the Brevard County Sheriff's Office has been charged with soliciting a prostitute after he offered an undercover deputy 20 bucks for oral sex, police said. Sergeant Lee, 20 bucks, that's pretty cheap, ain't it? I got that. You got 20 bucks for giving head? Oh, for giving? Boy, you are. I, I, you still, you're still a little under the weather. Tell Moses bring you some more good drugs. Sergeant, oh, I shouldn't have said that. 
Sergeant Lee Elliott, 60, was among 17 people arrested early Sunday during an undercover prostitution sting in Cape Canaveral, police said. The undercover operation was conducted by Brevard Sheriff's deputies. It's a shock, spokeswoman Joan Heller said. Elliott was released early yesterday on $500 bail from the Brevard County Detention Center and suspended from police duty. He faces a maximum of 60 days in jail if convicted of paying 20 bucks for oral sex. 60 days in jail. Can you believe that? It's a little sick. Sheriff later accepted a letter of retirement from Elliott. A spokeswoman from the sheriff's office said the Florida retirement system in Tallahassee will determine whether he'll collect retirement funds or not. Yeah, let's string him up, okay? He got a blowjob. Woo! Speaking of that, oh, I better do the break. But the next story from CBSNews.com. America would be relieved to hear that primetime TV is straighter. All right. <clears throat> Don't you feel better now, more Much. secure? Yes. Especially after that comment you made about giving blowjobs. 20 to 11 at 560 WQAM. This is the last time I'm going to hold. In fact, you know what I should have done with that fast train copy and this one? I should have torn them both up after I finished with them. Wouldn't that have been a good idea? Well, See, I want to give like a little message out there to Skippy or Scott or whatever this punk's name is. You come into the station, you have absolutely no clue what the hell, who's on first or what's going on. It would seem to me that if I'm on your position and I inherit all of these fine accounts from Brian Schmutz, who did a wonderful job selling this show, although a marginal job would copy because it's not the QMF and way, but if I would have inherited all these good accounts and was getting the commissions on it for doing basically nothing, I would be bending over backward to make sure that I did something positive, that I serviced the account, I talked with the people, I wrote some new copy, I gave some fresh ideas, I did to make sure that the people would stay on the air. So I'd continue collecting that nice commission check. You follow what I'm saying? What are you saying? But obviously he fell under the spell of the rest of the QM sales department other than Troy Stratford, who's our only good guy, and they told him, ah, don't pay any attention to that fat faggot. You just, he'll just keep uh, fumbling his way along. You just keep taking a commission, man. Or else go to P.D. Lenny. He'll write some spot about schleppin' and schmutz. Schleppin' schmutz. If I have one more copy with one more Yiddish word in it, so help me God, I'm going to hire a hitman for P.D. Lenny. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. Take it to the bank. All right. One more piece of copy. Like, I need somebody to put Yiddish words in the freaking copy? Hey, P.D., cox ahoy, sweetheart. And unhappy Yom Kipper to you, day late. I'll tell you about Oleomed right now. It's a soft gel capsule. You just pop it right in your ugly puss. And inside that capsule are all kinds of good things for you. Pharmaceutical-grade olive oil, along with vitamins and minerals and herbals. And Oleomet has concocted a different uh, uh, thing, a different capsule, to help different parts of your body. They've got one for your prostate, one specifically designed to help your heart, your blood pressure, and your cholesterol. One for your circulatory system, for your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of the purest, the finest, the most sensational olive oil that anybody has ever found. And Oleomet's got products for men and women as well. It's available all over town. More and more people are popping it now. And the Oleomed, too. Pick some up today at Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy in Sedano's. If you want more information, you've got to know that toll-free number right now. In fact, it's probably on your restroom wall. Call Oleomed today at 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED. Or check them out on the web, if you like, at oleomedamerica.com. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. Q-A-Q-A-N. Press what? Oh, I'm telling Chuck, hit the button. Press again. it again, Chuck. Hit it again. Like you mean it. Bang it. Smack it. It's, it's Slap smacking. it. Maybe it's frozen. It froze up. Uh-oh. Back shavings to crack shavings. Gay cuts will do it all. Yeah, Sebastian just hates my hairy ass. If you could do something about that, we'd both be really happy. Just bend over and say, move for me. Gay cuts. How gay do you want to look today? 
1145 at 560 WQM. Primetime TV is straighter. Let's hear it. So says CBSNews.com. Primetime television is getting straighter this year with far fewer gay, bisexual, and transgender characters showing up on a fall schedule than appeared last season. All right. A gay activist group be saying yesterday. The number of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender LGBT characters in lead supporting or recurring roles on network TV has dropped from 20 last year to just seven this coming season, according to an uh, analyzation by the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. <laughs> now we got quotas. And, of course, now that Rosie went off the air. Meanwhile, the total number of shows featuring LGBT roles has declined from 16 last season to only six this fall. ER, Will and Grace, NYPD Blue, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dawson's Crick, and the new ABC hospital drama, MDs. The decline coming after three straight years in which gay and lesbian characters enjoyed a surge in visibility on network TV was disappointing to leaders of the gay community. The diversity of the gay community cannot be conveyed through seven characters, especially when all those characters are white, said Scott Showman, entertainment media director for GLAAD. Much of the decline is due to the fact that 11 shows with gay and lesbian characters last season failed to make it back on the schedule this fall, including Spin Thitty, Felicity, Once and Again, The Ellen Show, and Dark Angel. Were any of those shows any good? No. <laughs> In addition, the only two series to feature a bisexual and tra transgender character that 80... Sh See, God is punishing you for that drop-in you did on that story about the little kid that died playing football. God is punishing you, man. Okay. I'm telling you right now. He doesn't waste any time. He sends you a message, just like Joey Zaza going to send you a message. Okay? God is sending you a message. Don't be making little jokes about kids dying playing football. In addition, the only two series to feature a bisexual and transgender character, that 80s show, and the education of Max Bickford, respectively, were both canceled last season. And wasn't that with Richard Dreyfus? <laughs> yes. With Mr. Holland's penis or whatever that yes. movie was? Uh, Showman suggested that Gay's primetime presence may also have suffered from programming choices by networks looking to offer more comfort food to an American public unsettled by events of the past year. That's what we want is more comfort food, more pablum, something soft. I believe they're programming for comfort, and that's very, very narrow programming. And the gay and lesbian community, like all of the minorities, don't bring a lot of comfort in the eyes of the programmers, he said. No, and that's because we're dangerous. Oh! Yeah, and that's why I like it, being dangerous. This year's declining presence of gays in dykes on broadcast TV reverses a trend in which the number of LGBT portrayals ran between 20 to 24 for each of the past three seasons, showman said. Not only do gays remain scarce on primetime shows, uh, primetime comma, shows featuring homosexual characters that manage to achieve... A hit status failed to spark the kind of imitation seen by other telephone, uh, television genres, Showman said. Television and telephone. The networks are not copycatting the success of shows with gays and lesbian characters like Will and Grace, the way they copycat medical dramas, for example, or westerns, or cop shows, or uh, detective shows, Showman said. Or stupid quiz shows. Karen Aransky, or uh, so-called real, uh, what do they call them? Reality shows. Oh. Reality-based crap. Karen Aransky, head of the multi-ethnic coalition of civil rights groups pressing for greater racial diversity on network TV, said the decline of gay and lesbian characters in prime time fits a larger pattern. While there are fewer minority portrayals on television, the accuracy of the representation decreases, she said in the statement. By contrast, cable TV offers a far heavier concentration of gay characters on the smaller number of shows, with a total of 22 LGBT roles counted on six shows this coming season. Oz, Sex in the City, Six Feet Under, and The Wire on HBO, The Shield on FX, and Queerest Folk on Showtime. You know, I saw Queerest Folk last night for the first time. Yeah, and? For about three minutes, and then I went back to another show. Okay. Week. Queer? 
queer. No, it was just weak. It was just exactly what you'd expect. And you have this one marginal-looking, uh, fairly uh, effeminate-looking guy, uh, you know, a stereotype, and he's groping the other guy's crotch, and the other guy was ugly anyway. So I went back to uh, Donahue, where Dr. Phil was on there with his good-looking kid. He's not a kid. His son is like, I would say, 23, 24. He's getting older by the minute. And he's going to take over that show pretty soon. We'll start watching. You could, you could just see the look in his face when Donahue kept asking the kid, well, what do you want to do? What are you going to do with your education? You're going to be, get a law degree? Well, uh, I want to knock Dr. Phil out. He just started the show. He wants to knock that out of there and take over the show. I'll guarantee it get bigger numbers. Gay's network visibility is due to grow again early next year when two new shows debut as mid-season replacements. The CBS sitcom Charlie Lawrence, starring Nathan Lane as a gay actor turned congressman, and the Fox series Oliver Bean, about an 11-year-old boy who is revealed in flash-forward scenes to be gay, though he doesn't know it yet. Singapore announces the arrest of 21 terror suspects. Authorities in Singapore announced yesterday that they had arrested 21 men for alleged terrorist activities and that the men were members of a Southeast Asian organization, Jamaya Islamia. That's it, Jamaya Islamia. That's based in Indonesia and has got ties to Al-Qaeda. The Singaporean government, which thwarted a plot to bomb the U.S. Embassy last December, provided scant details yesterday beyond saying that some of the men had trained at camps in Afghanistan and that they'd conducted renaissance and reconnaissance and surveys of selected targets on the instruction of the J.I. leadership. Jama Islamia. The arrest came as American investigators gather evidence that Jama Islamia, which is headed by the radical Indonesian cleric Abu Bakar Bashir, is better organized and able to carry out acts of terrorism than they realize, and that Mr. Bashir has been directly involved in terror activities. And by the way, Mr. Bashir, Kushmir in Tosas. Okay? How do you like that, huh? Is that in the copy? That's exactly what it says from the A&P. Ever shop at the A&P? Not in this state. How about Piggly Wiggly? How about state? Dominion? Boy, I love my Dominion store. Oh! I love that Dominion, baby. They got. I'm serious. It's so new and so beautiful in there. You could just you could lick the floor. They got a selection. They got stuff, and they also have Nestle's turtle in there in gigantic half gallon tubs. I'm not buying any. Don't get panicky. All right. I'm not buying any of that crap. I can't. And I and you know something? I'm cured of it. Just like Smarties. And you want to know why? Because it's so sweet. How come they never cured me of fish food though? Don't know. And I got a real real bad piece of news. That's what I did. That's what I did see in the aisle. And I was only walking down the aisle. I didn't buy any. Ben and Jerry's is starting to rear its ugly head up here now. Just when you think you're safe, and there they come chasing you down, Ben and Jerry's, with all those neat new flavors. Like that one I found in Amsterdam. What that was? I can't imagine why I was sick all the time in Amsterdam. And you know something? I'm glad I mentioned that. Because as much as you're pissed off with your doctor that didn't want to see you and didn't want to give you a prescription, and they diddly around until 5.30 in the afternoon... This doctor of my mother's, which I'm, I don't even know what his name was, but somewhere I've got his card. I'm thinking of putting it on the air. I know what the other doctor is, the uh, head doctor in, the, in that office. Yeah. You know, it's on it's on uh, Taft Street, just west of 441. Right. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because, you know, he looks in my nose. They have the thing where they look up your nose to see if you take it up the nose. <laughs> and in my ear. And, of course, at the time, I had constant this, uh, always was... Having like these colds and the sore throats and the raw throats, and I miss two days here and miss another two days there. And he says, "Oh, well, you got a little something there." And he wasn't looking at my crotch either; he was looking at my nose. And and that's it. Well, I'm not going to give you any. It'll a little clear up. And so all summer, all of June, all of July, and half of August, I had to be sick because of this son of a bitch who calls himself a doctor. And it was the same office where they thought I was uh, I was in indigent, so they sent me off to that Schwarzer place that's to get right. my blood test. That was the place. How do you like that? This is F. Mary Doctor, so don't ever listen to my mother, whether it has to be an optometrist. Remember the guy I told you about who really wanted to be in show business and gave me the glasses that weren't right? That's right. The wrong prescription. 
optometrists, doctors, dentists, whatever it is. Do not listen to my mother, okay? Okay. Do not listen. And by the way, she said you're getting better, whatever your name is. What's oh. his name? <laughs> Former FBI agent Connolly sentenced to more than 10 years in prison. Oh! This is a very strange story from the Boston Globe. Former FBI agent John Connolly, who had been credited with helping to cripple the New England Mafia, was sentenced yesterday to more than 10 years in prison for protecting his informants in exchange for information. Don't you find that a little bit unusual? I thought that's kind of the way it works. Yeah, I thought that was, if we believe all those shows we watch on TV. U.S. District Judge Joseph L. Toro had twice rejected motions from both the prosecution and the defense to deviate from federal guidelines, which called for a sentence of eight years, one month, to ten years, one month. In recent weeks, the judge was deluged with 200 letters of friends from Connolly asking for leniency. He also received letters, including from Robert Jordan, assistant director of the FBI Office of Professional Responsibility, asking Toro to impose the maximum sentence. Connolly, 62, declined the opportunity to speak at the sentencing hearing, telling the judge, I have no comment, Your Honor. He blew a kiss to relatives seated in the front row as he was escorted without handcuffs from the courtroom. Connolly was considered a top agent for his help in breaking the New England Mafia in the 1970s and 80s by using information he got from top echelon FBI informants James Whitey Bulger and Stephen the Rifleman Flemmy, leaders of the Winterhill Gang. Connolly was convicted in May of racketeering, obstruction of justice, and lying to an FBI agent for tipping off Bulger and Flemmy about criminal investigations and warning them about an upcoming incident in 1995. Indictment. Bulger fled. Oh, I see. Bulger fled and remains a fugitive on the FBI's most wanted list. Now you're starting to see the way this works out? Oh, I see. Flemmy is serving a 10-year prison sentence for money laundering, extortion, and obstruction of justice. He's awaiting trial for his uh, alleged role in 10 murders. So, in other words, uh, he wasn't just... These weren't merely fraternity house pranks, is what they're saying. These were uh, heavy-duty stuff. Follow him saying he got a little bit too close, a little bit too buddy-buddy. Mm -hmm. He was playing both sides against the middle, and now he's going to play both sides of the wall against the middle where they had that little cot, that little hard one, bed. 368 votes on our poll. Now, let's see if this thing is changed. Now, nah, she's coming back a little bit. Good. Not that I want to influence the poll, because you vote what you believe, okay, even though some of you may be full of crap, like a little more than a third of you are full of crap and very naive. Who's being naive now, Kay? 368 votes. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's fake terrorist threat on freaking Alligator Alley? Who do you freaking believe? Freaking Eunice Stone, the Georgia woman, 237, 64.4 freaking percent. And the three Muslim medical students, speaking of freak, the one of them anyway, 131, 35 and a half percent. Hey, you know when you shop for quality footwear, selection and professional service are important to everybody. But Brandy Shoes is doing such a great job and they've been going so strong for so many years because when it comes to selection and price, they're unbeatable. I got people working in brandies who know your feet. who will make sure you get a perfect fit every time. But when it comes to price, like I said, they are absolutely unbeatable, which is why their people are loyal customers and keep coming back. And we're not talking about off-brands either. We're talking about the top names in the business like Rockports, SAS, Sperry's, Timberland, Naturalizer, and lots more. And with their humongous selection, you're almost never going to be disappointed. They won't have to special order for you. But, of course, if they do, no problem at all, no extra charge. Brandy's is open daily, 9 to 9, Sundays 10 to 5. You'll find Brandy's in their same stupendous location, 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach. And that summer clearance closeout sale is continuing for a select group of famous brands. Up to 73% savings right now as I speak, only at Brandy's Shoes and prestigious Pompano Beach. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. This is Howard David. When I take my Feldine, I listen to the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. Not George, because he's stupid. Ah, my dad with a ball bag. Ah, Crushed his skull like an egg. Ah, 
560 WQAM. Guess so what the deadliest day in U.S. history was. I give up. Guess. September, September, September 11th? No. Today. Oh! September 17th. Really? 140 years ago this week, today, two armies thrust north through western Maryland's oh, rich yeah, farmland yeah, 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 yeah. and faced off in a battle so savage that its one-day death toll is unsurpassed in American history. On September 17, 1862, invading Confederate forces and Union pursuers collided in rolling sheets of fire at Antietam Creek, a shallow ribbon of water ambling through orchards and cornfields not far from the upper stretches of the Potomac River. The battle near the dusty crossroads of Sharpsburg ended the first Confederate invasion of the North. It raised the stakes of the Civil War for America and the world. Despite last year's horrendous losses in the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the one-day casualty toll at Antietam remains unequaled. Historian James M. McPherson notes in a new book, that the 6,300 to 6,500 Union and Confederate soldiers killed and mortally wounded at Antietam more than twice than the 3,044 fatalities, including the 19 hijackers, suffered in the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon last year. Another 15,000 men wounded in the Battle of Antietam would recover, but many of them would never again walk on two legs or work with two arms, McPherson writes, in Crossroads of Freedom, Antietam, the Battle that Changed the Course of the Civil War, published by Oxford University Press. The casualties at Antietam were four times greater than Americans killed or wounded at the Normandy beaches June 6, 44. They were also greater than the combined casualties of all the nation's 19th century wars, excepting the Civil War itself. The consequences of the battle were not confined to the Butcher's Bill, the name some gave to list of dead and wounded that flooded newspapers in the North and South. Although neither army was destroyed, the Confederates were badly hurt. Their commander, General Robert E. Lee, abandoned his invasion of the North and retreated across the Potomac to Virginia. That gave President Lincoln the circumcise he needed to publish plans to declare free all slaves held in territory controlled by the Confederacy. Perhaps no consequence of Antietam was more momentous than this one. It changed the character of the war, McPherson writes. How do you like them apples? So you didn't know that? Oh, I forgot. Well, yeah, you forgot. See, and you're supposed to be our history buff. Yeah, I know. But again, your memory's starting to fade, which is either that bug you had or God punishing you for saying that he died dropping thing about that football player. So you must have known that kid was black. I had no idea. I think it was a racist thing. Well, maybe maybe you're, uh, you had a premonition. Maybe I just know get... that uh, kids with asthma shouldn't be playing those kinds of games. And after kids start having chest pains, it's probably a real good idea to get them off to the sideline and give them a little bit of assistance instead of continuing to let them play until they start getting in real, real serious trouble and then it's too late, which seems to be the pattern in a lot of these stories. Most of these stories aren't a case of, oh, something happened like spontaneously immediately and somebody just like that on the field. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I mean, there's no point in my getting pissed off about it because it's the American effing way, man. It's just not going to change. But it seems like we've got, like the uh, the dead football player du jour now on the menu. Every day there's another one, including that little girl, that 10-year-old girl that died a couple weeks ago. Right, head injury. 300, yeah, playing, uh, playing contact football. I still say, what's a 10-year-old little girl doing playing contact football, you moron? I think those parents ought to be strung up, don't hey, you? It was her right to play with them. I see. Oh, here's the Van Damme family. Giving us the opportunity. Those pot-smoking, swinging uh, scumbags. I'm just uh, joking, okay? Just have, you know, and, of course, there's nothing funny about that story either, except the fact that this guy's going on death row, Westerfield, Chesterfield, but the fact is he's not going to get the needle because he's just got the line is too long. 
Have you ever gone like into a into a store and the line right. was just too long? No, you're not going to make it. it. You're going to die before you get. Have to you ever gone like into the supermarket? And you went up and down the aisles and then there was no line. It was shorter than like 16 people and each had like a full basket. Yes. And you just left your crap. Now what yep. do you do? Do you, do you take this stuff back and put it where it belongs? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. I yeah. Do that. I, I'd love to see somebody who would do that. And I bet you we got people who are liars in this. Oh yeah, Neil. We do that. If we see the lines are too long, we don't. We take an extra twenty minutes to go back and put every item back in its proper place. I'll tell you what. Right. Though, if I have like ice cream or something like that, I'll put back that. You know, I'll put that back in the something cold. that's perishable right. like ice cream. Right. But if it's canned goods or something, forget about what, it. What kind of ice cream? Review board chief says he'll publicize names of bishops who mishandle abuse claims. Here's some good news. Oklahoma City. See, there is some good news out there, isn't there? Not too much. Good. Oh, and by the way, you'll be pleased to know that the Bush people are already saying, hey, forget about it. We want the, we want the damn resolution in the UN, okay? We're not buying it. We don't think they're sincere. They're not going to let the inspectors in. They're not going to show us nothing. We got the war machine all rolled up here, uh, too late. You know, they're, they're playing the, the new theme song is going to be It's Too Late by Carol King. How do you like that? So like I've been trying to tell you, this has been a done deal for a long time. And now, of course, just we're a few weeks before the election. Now is the opportune moment to strike is what they've decided. And now, of course, that the heat's getting real strong, especially on Cheney. Now is the real good time to, to like, let that <coughs> smoke cloud go. Obfuscate. Anyway, the head of a national panel said yesterday that he'll soon reveal the names of Roman Catholic bishops who are failing to comply with the church's new policy for disciplining priests who molest children. See what I'm talking about? I told you it was just a dog and pony show. I know. We'll put on a good show for public consumption. The media will say, oh, yeah, well, here, here's what they're doing. They're reforming. And then we'll go back and do whatever the hell we want to anyway. Oklahoma Governor Frank Keating, chairman of the church-appointed National Review Board, said the information the committee had gathered so far indicates most dioceses are implementing the plan bishops approved in June to stem the clerical sex abuse crisis. He didn't say how many bishops he thought were violating the policy or exactly when he would release their names, but the board had questions about how the plan was being followed in some dioceses, Keating be saying. The governor made the remarks after a survivor's network of those abused by priests, SNAP, said it's got evidence that 13 of the nation's 195 dioceses have failed to comply with the new policy. SNAP representatives met with the appointed National Review Board for more than an hour yesterday. Susan Archibald, president of the Link-Up, another victim's advocacy group at the meeting, said the board was placed into battle with very few weapons, except its ability to alert the public about which prelates were violating the plan. We see very little accountability for the senior management of the Church of America, Snap said, in a statement presented to the board. We're afraid that dozens of priests with histories of sexual abuse remain in the public ministry, in the pubic ministry. The board, made up of 13 prominent lay Catholics, was established as a way to help enforce the reform policy that U.S. bishops overwhelmingly approved three months ago. The board has met just twice, allowing advocates for victims to participate briefly in both sessions. The board was to continue meeting privately throughout the day. At its first meeting, July 30, the board directed the bishop staff to compile a preliminary survey of policy implementation in each diocese. That report was to be reviewed yesterday. They were looking it over. They were, they were diddling with it. They were thinking about it. China food poisoning investigated. You hear this story? Nope. Oh, you're going to love this. And right in the middle of the lunch hour, you bastard you. Well, I'm trying to help you lose weight. It's not about the dogs, is it? No. Rats. Well, close. Hundreds of people fell ill after eating food laced with rat poison at a snack shop selling fried dough, sesame cakes, and rice in the Chinese city of Nanjing, and police opened a criminal investigation into poisonings yesterday. Authority, boy, it's a good thing they got a billion people there, you know? <laughs> they, they can stir them. Authorities refused to release a death toll, but state media said that more than 200 people were sickened and suggested that dozens, including many children, might have died. China's, see, I was waiting, but we don't uh, have one that says yeah, they, they died. died. We don't have one of them. China's reported numerous cases of food poisoning in which restaurants tried to save money by using 
toxic industrial salts instead of table salt or cooks mistook rat poison or other chemicals for food ingredients. Oh, it's enough to make me want to run right to, to China, isn't it? i got to read that sentence again just to convince myself I really heard the words coming out of my own puss. China has reported numerous cases of food poisoning in which restaurants try to save money by using toxic industrial salts instead of table salt or cooks mistook rat poison or other chemicals for food ingredients. In July, a noodle shop owner in southern China was arrested on charges that he poisoned customers at a rival business by putting rat poison in its soup. Okay. Uh-huh. The state-controlled media provided only scant accounts of the investigation into Saturday's poisonings. Reporters visiting Tangshan County saw investigators in white gloves searching a food processing factory that supplied the shop and examining the ground outside. The Hesha Goyen, Goyem Soybean Milk Shop, where the poisoned food was bought, was closed, and its telephone went unanswered. That's the Mishigoyim Soybean Milk Shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says. Police, police were questioning the manager of a company that supplied food to the shop, the state newspaper China Daily says. Now we're clear it's a criminal case. The police will certainly question all related people for investigation. The spokeswoman said Hong Kong newspaper reports that 41 people were killed were wrong, but she refused to release a death toll. Newspapers and an official reached by telephone at Jiangsu Province Epidemic Prevention Station said examination of samples sent from hospitals showed the victims had eaten rat poison. How do you like that, huh? Rat poison. I found and one guy, one guy puts rat poison in his competitor's soup to put him out of business. I get it. I bet it worked. Huh? So I found a drop. They're dead. Oh, you know what? What? I just I tore up the uh, last page of the law, but I don't need it. I got my spots in order. See, when you're when you're you know on top of things, when you're orderly and we got everything organized, then you don't have to worry about that. Follow what I'm saying? Not that it. I'm in a hurry to get out of here. And then of course we have to really put our heads together and consider what we're going to do between 11 and 1 tomorrow, like we did last Wednesday on 9/11. Which I, I had no complaints idea. about that. Did you? Nope. Didn't you think? I thought that went no. over bigger than Mary Tyler Moore myself. And especially by the end of the day, people thought, oh, thank goodness we had those two hours of a few chuckles and something, as opposed to the inundation of the morbid, of the, the planes crashing into the buildings and the people weeping and gnashing and carrying on. At least we had a little bit of a respite from that crap. A little. Twelve minutes past noon at 560 WQAM. If you find yourself looking in the mirror and wondering where your hair went, it's probably down the drain. On the ground, it's probably long gone. So get to the phone and call the best in the hair business, Charles Alfieri. Charlie's got the latest technology that provides sensational results for those of you guys who want some more hair in the most amazing natural hairline. In other words, his system looks like the real thing, like it's really growing out of your scalp. That's the difference. See, that's why when you see people like Aaron Brown or uh, Sam Donaldson on TV and you say, oh, my God, look at that ridiculous-looking wig. And that's because, you know what it looks like? It looks like a freaking wig, like a farm animal died on their head, is nesting there. But when you got the natural hairline system from Chuck Alfieri, it looks like the hair's really grown out of your scalp. People wouldn't even know it's not the real thing, which is why he's been in business and doing it for guys for over 25 years now. At no price in the world can you get a better-looking uh, piece than you will from Charles Alfieri. So if you want to look better and younger than you have in a coon's age, call today and take advantage of your special $200 Neil Rogers discount. And Charlie also services and repairs all types of hair systems while you wait for only 25 to 30 bucks. And everybody who gets the new piece gets Charlie's 30-day guarantee. If you don't love the way it looks and feels and smells, if you're not getting laid at least 40, 50, 60 times a day, Charlie will give you a full refund, no questions asked. Looking forward to seeing Charlie at those Panther games. I'll be going to like four or five games this season. So make the call today and get your hair back. Get rid of that bald spot and, like I said, look a hell of a lot better than you ever dreamed to look again. Call 1-800-321-2413. What is that number? That's 1-800-321-2413. Or log on to their website at charlesalfieri.com. Live and local. This is 560. The radio is all yours. 
Are you fudge packing? Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind, the true Hollywood celebrity music biography profile story. We take a good, hard, stiff look into stardom. They gave us one of the defining songs of 80s new wave. Now they give us a line of bullshit about why they let Burger King use it in a commercial that one time. They were modern English. Oh yeah, ask anyone. When we wrote Melt With You, we were thinking of, of, of cheese. Yeah, that's it. Gooey and delicious cheese, all melting on top of two old beef patties. I mean, come on, let's rock and roll, man. Tonight, you'll hear modern English frontman Colin Full of It Harris asking us to believe that he knew the song would be used in a commercial years later. When you think of it, a woman is like cheese, really. She's tempting and delicious. About 30% fat. All those years, he told me that Melt With You was about how great the sex was with me. Now it's about a f***ing cheeseburger. Colin's ex-girlfriend, Wanda Camelbear. I just feel so cheap. It's like all those times he was with me, he might as well have been dry-humping a sandwich. Finally, when confronted with the image of dry-humping a burger, the leader of modern English stared down his demons and told the truth. <laughs> As far as using your song in a commercial goes, you're in good company. With a bunch of other jerk-off sell-out scumbags, most of whom are far more famous than you. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business. Tonight, on Inside the Behind. Now, you do know what we have to do, speaking of that, fairly soon we got to get back to that one-hit wonder thing. Because I have okay. all of that stuff here, as a matter of fact. i got all the uh, music. Can't wait. I'm ready for it. You ready for it? Right now. Let's start. Maybe like Friday sounds good. Okay. Anyway, 300. I got all the stuff here. I got all the ones that we did before. I got a million CDs. Might as well do something with it. Now, what what, what do you do with the one that uh, I got it? I got it in my little red folder. Okay. The one where we did the runoff from the other ones, from the first six I, or whatever. Yes. I got those. And the audience is saying, oh, gee, not that. And then that chronic facts will be faxing in any minute saying, oh, you're not going to do that crap again. Well, he's the one-hit wonders, are you? You know the one that faxed me with that Nelson fax the other day? Or were you sick that day? You were no, sick. I was there. I don't know. I remember. He faxed before, lots of times. What the hell are you playing? One-hit wonders. Oh. Like I said, not today. 392, I'd rather hear he died. 392 votes. He died. Who do you believe uh, regarding last Friday's fake terror threat? Eunice Stone, a Georgia woman, 252, 64.2%. Percentages aren't changing all that much. And, of course, we've only got two choices on there. You know, it's like it's like an election when there's only two choices. Like the November 5th gubernatorial election, where there will be, well, there will be more choices. Bob Kunst will be on there again. Uh. Nope, nobody has any idea why. Nobody has any idea why, because it's sure easier than going out and getting a real honest job, isn't it, Bob? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. So he's running for governor again. Even Ellis Rubin gave up that crap. Oh, he was all over the place on that Kathy Willett thing Saturday night on City Confidential. That's a good show. You don't watch that? I have. On A&E? I, &E? I keep missing it. Like, I don't know when it's on, that kind of thing. The only thing that bothers me about that show is the narrator. His name is Paul something. I saw his name on there, which I never knew his name. And he sounds like Vincent Price. But, of course, Vincent Price has been dead for some time now. And he, he, he sounds like Vincent Price, but he's not. You know what I'm saying? So he just annoys me. And he speaks in kind of like a, I don't know. Melodramatic way, kind of like Bill Curtis does on a, a lot of melodrama there. You know what I mean with Bill Curtis and the melodrama? 
Just he's, a little bit melodramatic. With his hands, he's got that right. thing he does with his hands. Yeah. Anyway, 292 votes. Eunice has got 252, and the three Muslim medical students, 140. They didn't mean nothing. They didn't say nothing. They didn't know nothing. The one guy, sure, a fashion plate, though we know something about uh, doilies. I haven't used that word in a long time. <laughs> I you know? love Doily? that word. That is a great word. In fact, in my house as a kid growing up, we always had doilies on every table. My mother had a doily under whatever, under the lamp. Now, did you have couch arm doilies? So that oh, couch arm my mother's doilies? very big on those. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I think now, though, in recent years, instead of doilies on the couch arms, they're like, uh, what would you call them? They, they're sleeves, kind of like Yes, covers. exactly. They're little sleeves made from the same material right. that the couch is made from. So it's like, kind of like mix they're, and match. They're supple. Regis can't stand Kelly, even though they're supple. He, just, he wants daughter Joanna to replace her. This is the examiner this week. we got to get back into the uh, tabloids this week, okay? Right. Good. Which, for some reason, I'm able to get them almost a week ahead up here, as opposed. And, and wouldn't you think that would be just the other way around since the damn, since we discovered that up there in Boca, you'd think. all the tabloids are printed right there, you'd think you'd have them like ahead of time. But maybe the problem is that our magazine, our newspaper and magazine suppliers there are like uh, slacking off a little bit, including Captain Singh, who I understand is on Alligator Alley right now. Didn't you overhear what he said? That's just a joke, Captain he's, Singh. We don't need anybody investigating Captain Singh. He's, he's a, a Sikh. He's the different He's a Sikh. He's a Sikh. And, of course, you know what they say about guys like him. They seek their own level, which is why he gravitated to us. He's a good guy, Captain Singh. He's probably listening right now over there on the beach. He sure is. Regis can't stand Kelly. Don't believe all that chummy chatter between Regis Phil, Philbin and Kelly Rip on their morning talk show. Behind the scenes, the TV sidekicks aren't speaking to each other, say insiders. It's the total silent treatment reveals a set-side insider. They have nothing to say to each other. The situation is so hopeless that Regis is even said to be grooming his 29-year-old daughter, Joanna, to take Kelly's place. Joanna, did we play that? Not lately. I sure hope not. Regis is fed up with his co-host sexy antics on the show and her shameless attempts to steal his thunder, sources say, and the feud has now reached such a fever pitch that they don't even try to hide the bitterness between them. The ill will between the two has gotten so bad that they weren't speaking to each other at a recent promo shoot for a popular talk show, a source tells MSNBC gossip columnist Jeanette Walls. How do you like that? Weren't even speaking to each other at a, uh, at a public thing. Aww. So it looks like a big rip. It's big, Neil. It's bigger than both of us. When the camera wasn't rolling, they would even go through the motions of pretending to like each other. They would barely even look at each other. It was painful, says the source. Regis, 71, and Kelly, 31, have reportedly been at odds with each other since she replaced Kathy Lee Gifford last year, that bitch. He's furious, say sources, that she's upstaged him with sexy clothes and risque remarks on the air while she complains he's an old fuddy-duddy who ought to keep up with the times. <laughs> she might have a point, you know. Regis feels that after 20 years, he knows who's the show's audience, what the show is about, and how he and his host need to behave, says another insider. Kelly, meanwhile, is from the MTV generation. She's young. She wants to liven up the show. She's not afraid to wear revealing clothes and the show and to show off her hot body. She looks at her, her face. I, I mean, I don't know about that body thing because she's standing sideways here in this picture, but she looks pretty scabby in this one picture here with Regis. Got a, she's got a pretty face. Unfortunately, she has an Audi, so I, I don't like her anymore. Not in this picture she don't have a pretty face. She looks like hell on wheels. And Regis looks it looks like they brought in this uh, this figurine from the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. He looks petrified. Of course, he is standing next to her, and she's got one boob on his shoulder. The crux of the feud is that Regis feels Kelly doesn't give him the respect he deserves after all his TV success, but Kelly counters that she's responsible for the show's soaring ratings and deserves special treatment, too. Regis was the star when Kelly came in, and now she's acting like the star, Wall source says. 
Um, these set-sider, insider ads. Regis is a gentleman from the old school and doesn't sit right with him that Kelly flaunts her sexiness every chance she gets. He's tried to use his influence with producer Michael Gelman to get him to order Kelly to clean up her act, but Gelman takes a hands-off approach with her because the ratings have gone up so dramatically since he joined the show. He isn't about to mess with success. So what the hell's Regis all been out of shape about, or is this probably just more more uh, puff and crap, huh? You think? No, I'm sure he's upset because uh, I've been hearing that from all over the place. He's upset because of what you just said. He's, I mean, I, li- I like Regis, he's but he's got, a gi- he's, he's got a gigantic ego. Right. And here's a guy that bumbled around with Joy Bishop's announcer on that ill-fated show years ago. He had that exercise show on the uh, channel that's not even on anymore, that cable channel. What was right. it, the health channel? Whatever it and, is. Huh? Whatever it is. Yeah, and uh, he finally hit it big with this show, and then, of course, he got that millionaire thing. The guy's got more money than God. And how can you let your ego get in the way? That would be a good <laughs> poll to take one day. Who's got the bigger ego, Regis or uh, Bob Barker? Oh, there you and go. W- and when the hell are they going to retire already? How much do you need, Regis? How much do you need, Bob? We've already spayed and neutered every animal we can find. I think you're next, Bob, from what we're hearing about you and those uh, Bob Barker's cuties. How come they don't let Rod Roddy bring on Rod's cuties from Thailand? 402 votes. Oh, he does have those great, those lovely suits. Yes. Have you ever noticed those suits he wears? Yes. He gets those in Thailand. They're snazzy. They really are very snazzy. You know who it was that first told me about Rod Roddy? I give up. I'll give you, I'll give you like a, about a three-word clue if I can find it. Like I said, a four-word clue. I am that hemorrhoid. Oh, how about that? Because he used to work with him in Buffalo. Rod Roddy used to be a DJ in WKBW in Buffalo back in the Joey Reynolds days and Stan Roberts, and uh, Danny Neverth, and those days. I, I'm, I don't know. Uh, we got to get to the uh, Jill Clayson thing on the CBS Morning Show, but I guess we got to do a break. See, that's what happens when you don't have the log in front of you like that, and you start getting... And by the way, Petey Lenny, that phony piece of copy you wrote for Dry Concepts, is already torn up into a million smithereens. I don't need no copy for Dry Concepts, okay? Especially where it talks about, what was it about schmutz and schlepping and schlepping crap, and, oh, God, schlep him out. Put him in a parking lot. Let the uh, water Nazi run over him a few times. Anyway, if your carpets are schmutzy, see, there you go. I didn't need his help. Dry concepts can make them look sparkling just like brand new. How do they do it? They do it with a patented exclusive method, which means that nobody else in the world does it for you like this. They dry clean your carpets. That's where the name of the outfit comes from, dry concepts. And by the time they get done, you'll be shaking your head and saying, I cannot believe it. I'm not exaggerating. That's the way I always feel about it. Because your carpets, you know, they get kind of that nasty look to them, that kind of tone where you can really tell that they're dirty and they don't smell all that great. When they leave, your carpets look like you just had brand new laid on the floor and they smell lemony fresh and they're dry in a couple of hours too. So it's a great deal all the way around. Plus, they give you a written guaranteed price up front before they start touching anything, even the uh, carpets. And uh, there are no ripoffs or uh, scams at the end. And they also do a spectacular job of cleaning your furniture and drapery, if you like. Spot dyeing, fiber protection, carpet repairs, implant oriental rug service, deodorization, and if a flood strikes your home, complete water damage restoration, too. They're the best in the universe, which is why I've been using them for over 20 years. And everybody I know with a brain uses dry concepts. In Broward, call 954-370-7778. 954-370-7778. In Date or Palm Beach, call them toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. Clean today, entertain tonight with Dry Concepts and P.D. Lenny. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Hey. The temperature is zero. It is cold. It is so freaking cold. 
You're gay. And I cringe every time the wind blows in my pants. Something is shrinking. I'm so cold I can't lip sync. That's because it's zero, baby, and I cannot feel my toes. There's a tingling in my fingers and my private parts are froze. Oh, my nose. Is about to fall off. There's a cloud every time that I cough, and my hands are blue. They are turning numb. They might amputate my thumbs. That's because it's zero, baby. Mucho frío. I'll tell you one thing, ain't no Jason London. Who's no relation to Brian London? You gave me more bad information. Uh, 1234 at 560 WQAM. 409 votes on the pool, 409. Let's play that. What do you say, Beach Boys 409? Okay, I'll go get it. Don't. Who do you believe regarding last Friday's fake terror threat? Are you eating something there very surreptitiously yes, now? Yes, I am, surreptitiously. And what are you eating? A mahi-mahi salad from uh, Balance for Life. Oh, you're eating Balance for Life. Well, that's mm, excellent. Very it good. It is excellent. Grilled, no less. And what's Carlos eating? <laughs> not in his ego. Well, so what does that mean? He's not getting paid and you're not even feeding him? I offered him some chocolate cheesecake from Balance for Life, but he doesn't like chocolate. He wants something substantial, okay? He wants that. something of, say, he wants a Wayne Arnold. He wants some uh, Neely Burgers with cheese. We get he food wants food in here from uh, those people every now and again. From what people? Those various people, Pizza Loft, for example, Wayne Arnold sometimes. Well, certainly not often enough. Castaways. And did you also go times. in there and jump up and down on Duff's new desk in his new office and say, we want Carlos Paid starting this week or else we're all walking out? Duff's, did you say Duff's that? old desk is halfway to its new orifice, so it's on its side in the middle of the hallway. Well, good. The then hop right on the side. It should be easy for a little midget like you to sit right on the side. Don't let them move it another foot. Right after the show, you go right out there and sit on the side of that desk and say, we're not, there's no more moving going on. In fact, I'm going to do a movement right on the side of the desk here unless you get with it. I could quit. I could cook that up. Quit dicking around. I'm sure you could. That's why I suggested it. No problem. And not only that, but threaten to bring Fat Boy in there and, like, uh, do a, yeah, do a two-man routine. 409 votes. What do you believe regarding the uh, debacle on the alley last Friday? Who do you believe? Uh, 415, like I said. Eunice Stone, a Georgia woman, 64.8%. 269 votes. The three Muslim medical students, 146, 35.1%. Jane Clayson is out as co-anchor of CBS Ratings star of the early show, and veteran Harry Smith may be back in. Following Brian Gumball's departure in May, 
Clayson's exit means CBS will put together a new team to battle NBC's number one today and ABC's gaining Good Morning America for the breakfast audience. And, man, do those shows suck or what? Do those shows really suck yes. or what? Man, talk about vanilla. Talk about tapioca pudding. Smith, who did morning duty for nine years at CBS, is in talks to take the job again, sources told the Daily News yesterday. The network's also considering Hannah Storm of NBC Sports. <laughs> wow. Smith, 51, has been host of A&E's biography since 99, recently spent a week as guest co-anchor on the early show and has told friends he's eager to get back into network news. Well, if that's your idea of network news, Harry, good luck to you, okay? CBS was also in third place in the morning when Smith was at the helm with Paula Zahn, who is now CNN's morning puss. But Smith was always highly regarded within CBS News. One insider said he's beloved here. Everybody thought he was one of the best. He is good, Harry Smith. You don't like Harry Smith? I like him fine. No, you're eating again. Storm Forty, who's also had a fill incident on the early show, has seen a role diminished at NBC Sports since the network lost the rights to the NBA. In the end, CBS may not stop at two new hires. There's been talk that executives are thinking about broadening the traditional male-female morning show team to an ensemble lineup. CBS News spokesman Sandy Janelia said no decisions have been made about the new early show anchors. Clayson, 35, will leave the early show in a few weeks, but is expected to sign with CBS News for a new role that was still under discussion. In other words, they'll find somewhere to show that bitch. But you're out, honey. You're out, Jill. Show blows. Oh, look at that. Patrick Ewing. With the next phase of my life. I'd like to thank, you know, the, the next. He's guy. out. He retired. The Grape Ape retires. You know Patrick Ewing? Nope. Well, he retires. NBA star. New York Knicks. Okay. Rookie of the year in 19, Orlando Magic. He's retired from the Magic. He says, no more. They were, uh, they were great. The Grape Ape. He's out. GOP using faith initiative to woo voters. This is enough to make you lose your uh, mahi-mahi. Republicans are using the prospect of federal grants from the Bush administration's faith-based initiative to boost support for GOP candidates, especially among black voters uh. in states and districts with tight congressional races this fall. <laughs> i I got to be honest with you. That was almost as good as Amtrak. Almost. Maybe not quite, but it was pretty damn close. Thank you, Patrick. Top government officials overseeing the program designed to funnel federal social service grants to religious groups have appeared at Republican-sponsored events and with GOP candidates in at least six states. The events often target black audiences, such as a recent South Carolina seminar to which about 1,600 black ministers were invited. The event's host explained how the federal program will distribute about $25 million in grants to community groups affiliated with churches and other private sector institutions, as, again, they continue blurring the line, the separation of church and state. The South Carolina event on July 19th was sponsored by the State Republican Party. Those who attended received follow-up letters on GOP stationery explaining how to apply for grant money. Ron Thomas, the party's political director, called the event a phenomenal success that helped put a human face on the party again. Bush has repeatedly said the faith-based initiative is not political. On February 1, we announced that Jim Toey would replace John J. DeLulio, Ulio, whatever the hell the guy's name is, head of the program. The president said Toey understands that these things are more important than political parties, and one of those things more important than political parties is help heal the nation's soul, he said. Right. Some lawmakers who oppose the president's faith-based initiative say they feared it could be used for political purposes. Madison and Jefferson understood the lesson of human history, that when you start combining the power of politics and the power of religion, you end up with politicians using religion as the means to their own ends. Representative Chet Edwards, Democrat of Texas, be saying. How do you like that? So farewell to the great ape, Patrick Ewan. He's out. He retired. I thought you'd be all broken up about that. Who? We got the mad dog, Jim Mandis, doing a show from Shula Steak, 2 at 1 o'clock today. 
they got another pushover Sunday the Jets game, although maybe that curse, you know, maybe that whole curse thing. It might have some impact, although I'll be honest with you, I doubt it. Uh, Hank Goldberg at 3. Hank will have Patrick Sertain between the 5 and 6 hours. You can call him and say, hey, Super Bowl, we can smell Super Bowl. And then you got the Marlins in the Expos, Eddie K after baseball, and Joe and Mark, the Dirty Boys, 2 to 6 in the morning to provide a little bit of material for our morning guy. Tom Lehman and Hallett Pontiac, GMC, they're not too happy about that morning show. I'll tell you that right now. In fact, when you go down to Lehman Pontiac, ask uh, Tom about that. He ain't going to say nothing on the air. But off the air, he might fill your ear. He might, bah, 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 bah. he might give you a big song and dance about that. In fact, he probably will. Anyway, forget about that. Let's get back to buying a car. Zero percent financing is back again at Lehman Pontiac. That's right. What did I call it? At Hallett Pontiac. Well, they should put his name on it. You know what? He's the main man. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get 0% financing up to 36 months on all 2003 Pontiacs and GMC models or take a rebate of up to four grand on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. And while you're at Hallett or Lehman, let's start calling it Lehman Pontiac and see if we get a rise out of time, you think? Check no. out the complete line of GMC SUVs, including the Envoy, voted by Motor Trend as the SUV of the year, and, of course, that great, that spiffy, all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV that's got the power of a fantastic sports car. In fact, George would like to be driving one of those right now. Yeah. Why not talk to Tom next time he stops by? Okay. Say, I like Kim Camper. He's an okay guy, but he sure don't have that vibe. Wouldn't you like to have a vibe? Okay. I prefer Corvettes myself, and Tom don't sell those. Hallett's also got a stupendous, dependable selection of great pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if by any chance some other dealer was nasty enough to turn you down because your credit may be a little on the spotty side, have no fear because Hallett Pontiac is here. They'll work your deal and get you into a great used or new car. So for a great deal on Pontiacs and GMCs, this is the place. Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's US 1 across from the falls. Open every single day, seven days a week. Hallett Pontiac GMC, do be professional grade. How young is too young? All the world loved Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And now he's back in theaters. And this time he's traded in his wand for a 44 Magnum. Dirty Harry Potter. Go ahead, punk. Cast my spell. Dirty Harry Potter. Nothing is as enchanting as a trigger-happy sociopath bumping off the bad guys with tough guy catchphrases and a little touch of wizardry. A man's got to know his incantations. Dirty Harry Potter. He's making his own rules and cleaning up Hogwarts Academy one creep at a time. I know what you're thinking. Did he cast six spells or only five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most magical handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, muggle? Dirty Harry Potter. If it's anything like the first Harry Potter film, it'll make a fistful of dollars. Dirty Harry Potter is rated IQ 13. 1246 at 560 WQAM. Here's a fax, and I'm sure you looked at this. Yes. Say your doctor isn't Dr. is what it says. I'm not using the name. I've been with him for years, and he's been great. I mean your mom's doctor. Well, the fact of the matter is, it's his office. He, you know, He's too important because he don't have afternoon hours, this guy. So naturally, he's got some other flunkies that work in his office, some guys that just got off the banana boat. In fact, the doctor I did see, and I use the term doctor loosely, he was bragging to me. About the fact that he's, you know, got off the banana boat. He said, oh, yeah, I think I just got off when George uh, came in. Something like that. Last year? Some, yeah, something like that. 
I mean, this guy was a doctor like my little dog is a goddamn brain surgeon, okay? That's how much of a medical exam he gave me. And to think that I had to go through all... This was like on about the 7th of June. I was there like the 3rd to the 8th of June, right? Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, that was my June uh, five days. And the day before I left, I went to the doctor because, number one, I need to refill my prescriptions, number one. And number two, see, since my good friend Gary left Dr. Dick, uh, my life isn't worth a crap anymore. You know what I mean? At least Gary used to take care of stuff like that. And the other thing was I wanted to find out what this damn, you know, sinus condition was all about because I've been constantly getting the colds and the, the... And when in doubt, knock it out. The sinus infection, this nasty, grotesque that I had to go through all of June, all of July, and a half of August till Dr. Hamp. Thanks again, Dr. Hamp and Rimmer. You too. So my doctor isn't Dr. but that's the one. That's the orifice, okay? So if you happen to be a patient of Dr. Just pray that you never uh, find that he's too busy around vacation and you have to go in and see Dr. Schmendrick, whatever this guy's name is, Dr. Banana Boat, because this guy ain't no doctor. Will he call in a prescription for you? Hey, he did write out the uh, prescriptions, I will say that. What do you want and get out of here? You know, we're going to send you over to the hey, sponsor I'll, I'll take that. Protesters in Rome decry Berlusconi. You know, this story, which I've been holding on to here a couple of days, this story is from last of the 14th, which is what day? Saturday? Yeah. Yes. And this is right about at the time, I guess it was Friday, that he was here sucking up with George W. Berlusconi. Here is one of the great crooks. This man makes Mussolini look like the goddamn uh, Santa Claus, like the Tooth Fairy. Tens of thousands of protesters rallied in central Rome on Saturday, accusing conservative Premier Silvio Berlusconi of using political power for his personal benefit and saying opposition parties were not doing enough about it. And they are absolutely correct. The demonstration came as Berlusconi was in the U.S. meeting with President Bush about possible military action in Iraq. Protesters gathered in Rome's Piazza San Giovanni Saturday, led by filmmaker Nani Moretti. The liberal movie director set up the rally to protest a government bill that could help Berlusconi, a media maggot who is Italy's richest man in a case of alleged bribery. The Italians who voted for Berlusconi were following a dream and they woke up in a nightmare, she told a packed crowd, that waved banners, flags, and balloons. Quarter of a million people is what they said the other day. The controversial government bill would allow defendants to ask for their trials to be annulled or moved to another court if they have legitimate suspicion that judges are biased against them. Berlusconi is on trial in Milan for allegedly bribing judges in the 80s and has long contended that leftist prosecutors are unfairly targeting him. See, he keeps changing the, they keep changing the law for broadcast ownership. He owns uh, Rye. He owns all these uh, radio and TV stations. To make a long story short, he's a frickin' crook is what he is, Berlusconi. And this is a second go-round, no less. They never met a crook, uh, I guess, that they didn't like. In Italy, where they change prime ministers, like, you know, like most of you change your underwear every few months. Pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, fix for pedophile sites targeted. The photos on websites... Port now, see, I don't know about this. Maybe we're going to have to, like, outlaw this year's catalog, too. The photos on the websites portray no nudity and no sex, yet men by the thousands pay to ogle them. Shots of preteen girls posing in bikinis and halter tops. Defended as free speech by some, such pictures are being blasted as a fix for pedophiles by a congressman who is waging an uphill campaign to banish them from the Internet, Representative Mark Foley, a Florida Republican. He says the pool of photos is growing at an unabated pace. Foley has authored a bill now before the House Judiciary Committee intended to shut down the websites by outlawing exploitive child modeling. Don't you think we'll have to outlaw the uh, Sears catalog? Right now, pennies. 
Okay. Even he concedes, however, that the measure has potential loopholes, and anti-censorship groups say it would likely be struck down as an unconstitutional infringement of free expression. It's doomed from the start, said Gary Daniels of the National Coalition Against Censorship. At Florida-based Weeby WebCorp, oh, I love that, Weeby WebCorp, which runs one of the largest networks of child modeling sites, co-founder Mark Greenberg says he can't vouch for the motives of his customers, but he insists that no child featured on his site has suffered any physical harm. If I said pedophiles are definitely not looking at these sites, that would be a crock, Greenberg said by phone in his Fort Lauderdale office. But the majority of people looking at them are not bad people. If it's within the law and people want to do it, it's more power to them. It's like if somebody's watching goddamn reruns of, of uh, Flipper and Sandy's on there running around with uh, naked. You pedophile. Yeah. I'm not talking about when he was like 12 years old. I'm talking about, you know, a little later on. 13. Like he was 13 and a half. Hey, nothing wrong with Luke Halpin, man, back in those days. And now, of course, he's a grizzled old man. He, he's almost as old as I am, for Christ's sakes. We love you, Luke, but don't send any pictures, please. I mean, you know, where, where the hell do you where, where How far do you carry that? Everything has got to be censored. I'd like to see this Tom Foley. I'd like, not Tom, what that was his name? Mark Foley. I'd yeah. like to see him in Europe for about five minutes. Watching what? the TV, the stuff that just comes over the TV. I'm not even talking about cable or satellite. I'm talking about over-the-air stuff. Let's look through his family photo album and see if he has any kids wearing Yeah, dressed. And how about how about pictures of kids in bathing suits, huh? Right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know, it's one thing to, like, uh, nail people that really deserve it, who are really abusing and molesting kids. It's another thing to smell a pedophile under every goddamn rock. You checked any rocks lately? Oh, no. speaking of rocks, our doctor well. used to be, our doctor in Rochester used to be Dr. Joe Rock. I've talked about that. You know, the one who used to come to the house with a little black sack? You didn't right, have to make those an appointment. Were the days. See, if you, if, if you would have had that, you'd have called up Dr. Rocky. He'd have come right to the house in the morning, right. fixed you up with some antibiotics. You'd have felt better by noon. Criminal. Not anymore, baby. Anymore. Not anymore, because first of all, he was like a GP, you know, family right. doctor. Now we got a doctor for your little finger, for your uh, nuts, for your ass, for your uh, right uh, boob. Yeah. Specialists. Hey, if you love your home but you need more space, here's the answer for how you solve that problem. Do what hundreds of other people are doing. Smart people they call Strictly Additions. Whether you're having a baby and need another room, if you're converting a carport or patio into living space, or maybe you're going into business for yourself and you want to make a home office, all you have to do is make one easy phone call to Strictly Additions. They're your one-stop shop, more space for your place place, with an absolutely worry-free approach to expanding your living space. Those no-shows by the contractors will not happen. Incomplete work, no way, Jose. No unexpected bills, no worries about the job not getting done right, and they take care of every single stinking last detail. They drop your blueprints, they get the building permits, handle all the inspections for you. Strictly Additions has got that easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction. Number one, they call to schedule a free project evaluation appointment at your home, where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition to what you'd like to do. Number two, schedule a bid appointment in their convenience showroom where you'll get a detailed proposal and an exact price for the work. Number three, select your finishing touches, then go to contract. Number four, review the design architectural drawings. And then five, sit back and relax and just take a, uh, take a deep breath as your dream edition moves ahead on schedule with unbeatable quality. It's a piece of cake. Call Strictly Editions today. Look for the red in the yellow pages or call 954-791-8100. That's 954-791-8100. They're licensed and insured professionals who do sensational work for you. Tell them old Neil told you to call Strictly Editions, 954-791-8100. Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Baby, come play with these titties. 560 WQAM presents the Opie and Anthony Show with Mo Howard Davidson. 
This is Opie. And I'm Anthony. Yeah, wait a minute. It's me with the low voice. Oh. Yeah, you got the affected voice. Okay. <clears throat> hi, Anthony. Yeah, hi, Opie. And uh, let's not forget our old pal, Mo Howard David. That yeah, I was wondering how long it would take for you two punks to get around to me. <laughs> I really hit the big time, huh? Here I am with the Opie on Anthony. Hey, Mo. What? Take off your pants. Yeah, we're going to rape you now. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This is a family show. Nah, wrong. This is the Go Pee on Anthony show. Now, come on, stretch. I thought you guys only did that in church. Yeah. Hey, get your hands out of there. Get out of there. Shut up and submit. That's my no, delicates. Come on. Don't touch my delicates. I'm tender. <laughs> why does everybody want to rape me? Why? Because we think it's funny. That's why. Yeah, and you That's got a nice guy. back. Oh, I got news for you, Kelly. I'm still spry. I, I ought to mobilize you. Oh. Oh. I got his hands tied open. Oh. Want the red ball? No, not for this. All right, Ma, open wide for Chunky. Let's sing that together now, shall we? Okay. Open wide for Chunky. Oh. All right, stop spanking, Anthony. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, use your lips. No cheat. No cheat. Up. I said no cheat. Sorry. Ready for some medieval love. You're not the boss of me now. Yeah, I really sound like that. Mitsubishi guy now, don't I? For the gift. We have the gift. Well done. Take it away, Mo. What? You're just going to leave me here? We'll be right back. I'm 560. Mm, I feel so used. Okay. 1259 and 560 QM. Just time to look at a, a poll result. We asked today, who do you believe? Which one? Which of these do you believe regarding the uh, fake terror threat on Alligator Rally last Friday? All the big simmers. Eunice Stone, a nice Georgia lady who never stole a freight train and certainly wouldn't embellish a story like that. All she was doing was eating her strawberry and punky pie at uh, Shoney's, minding somebody else's business. Anyway, Eunice, 283, 65% believe Eunice, the three Muslim medical students who are making rounds on every TV show that's been invented and some that haven't been yet, 153, 35%. Unbelievable. Okay, we got the, now what are we going to do about noon, uh, 11 to 1 tomorrow? Play bits, right? I think we'll take it under very serious 